This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Happy Wednesday. It is the last day of... uh, Programs for the month of November. Right, right. Programs. It is uh, November 30th, 2022. We are just 26 days away from Christmas now. Can't believe it. Uh, This show is presented by the Advocates Utah Advocates, uh, the best injury attorneys in the business. Make sure you find them at theadvocates.com. Theadvocates.com is where you find our good friends. They're the best injury attorneys in the business. By the way, for all of our uh, listeners in Phoenix, guess who's got an office in Phoenix now? Yeah. That's right, friends. Theadvocates.com. Go check them out. Um, you never pay until they win your case. It's that simple. No consultations. No big retainers. You don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case at theadvocates.com. Um, good morning, Jake. Hello. So we have to talk Utah Jazz today. Right. You know, um, as opposed to, you know, other days. So uh, uh, Buddy was asking me this morning. Right. About betting on the Jazz game tonight. Hey, Claw. He's like, yo, Clippers are in Salt Lake City. The Jazz are a big favorite because tonight the Utah Jazz. Yeah. If you can believe this, the Utah Jazz right now, as of this morning, when this show was uh, this live, this program is live. This program. Uh, are minus six and a half, 225. Oh, what are you talking about, man? Minus six and a half, 225. Yeah. Yeah. I Over mean, the LA Clippers. <clears throat> First thing you have to say is boys in Vegas know how to make some money, huh? Well, and I think that's part of it. You know, that is the money line is is the bet here tonight, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, because the Clippers, I think, are plus 222 on the money line, which You've means our budget a little out of whack. You bet 100 bucks, you win 225. You cannot or 222. You cannot bet the Jazz. Tonight. No, I, I and, and the main reason for this is is I just don't think the Jazz are playing great basketball right now. They're not. Yeah, you're, you're not playing the best basketball of the season. You're you're in a time during the season where you, you you're just not doing it to the best of your ability and that's okay as i as i've said many times on this show every team goes through this where you have a stretch of probably 10 or 15 games or you're just not firing on all cylinders and so to me i think it's risky business to be to be uh betting on the jazz to win this game you know i, I very much so i think it's risky business and i think that that um they're, they're turning the ball over a lot i think that will hardy is still working on rotations I think Will Hardy needs to figure out how not to play Laurie Marketing too much in the first half so he can get an equal minutes distribution in the second half. Like, I, there are some things they're working on. And, and you know, I, I look at this game. You're not going to have Kawhi Leonard in this game again, um, which is good for the Jazz, obviously. But it is still the Clippers. It is still a really good team. So that's a why I struggle to, to, to put money on a game like this when the Jazz aren't playing their best basketball. Yeah, I don't think you can bet the Jazz. I mean, I I have no problem betting the Clips. I mean, I but I I the question I guess of the morning and the title of this show is why are the Utah Jazz losing? Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about why the Jazz are losing, I think what you what you get here 
um, is that they're just not a team yet. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel like the right answer here is when people say, what's wrong with the Jazz? What's wrong with the Jazz is they just, they're a bunch of new dudes wearing uniforms you don't recognize, faces you don't necessarily recognize, and we're just through November. We're at the quarter post of the season. They're just now figuring out who they are as a basketball team, which is what made that hot start that the Jazz had so remarkable because it was improbable at best that they would come out and lead the NBA and be the first team to 10 wins. and like It's improbable, right? So now I think you're starting to settle down to the mean. The NBA's adjusted to the Jazz. There's tape on these guys now as a unit. And now I think we start to figure out how well is Will Hardy doing as an NBA head coach. Yeah. I think he's making some mistakes, but you would expect that out of what a 35-year-old guy um, getting his first run as the, as the boss. Like I would expect that. I think you're starting to figure out the chemistry is not just something you can write on a, a whiteboard and all of a sudden it's a real thing because it doesn't work that way. You bring in a bunch of new dudes and I think they have to figure out how to how to play together. And that free-flowing run up and down the floor, let Colin Sexton attack the rim with his hair on fire, like just doesn't work. Yeah. And it's this thing we talked about the other night against the Bulls, like where was Lori Markinen? And we've talked about this, I feel like, you know, game after game, Lori Markkinen will get off to a big start and then just disappear. Y'all feel me? And uh, that can't happen. I think this team is still trying to sow its oats and find its way. And and I think once they do, again, they're going to wind up a 35-40 win team. Yeah, and I, and I think they don't have the ability to, to overcome negative or positive momentum inside of an NBA game right now. Like, I look at the way that Bulls game, specifically the second half of the Bulls game went, uh, specifically, you know, the last five minutes of the third and then the first five minutes of the fourth, and you were just turning the ball over. You 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 sort of lost your way uh, offensively. You lo- like I felt like you lost your way just inside of the game, and and yeah, some of that's Will Hardy for sure. Um, I think uh, as we've talked about many times on this show, a lot of that is the lack of leadership on the floor, especially when Mike Conley's not dressing. So. You know, to me, it's it's you're just kind of going through some some struggles right now, and that's why I say, you know, this it always brings me back to the expectations conversation that we seemingly have on the show about this team. Like, remember what your expectations were before the season started. Everyone was saying, "Oh, this is going to be a terrible season, and we're going to tank for VW and VW this and VW that." They come out and win some games, and then everyone's like, "Oh, well, this is a 50 win team now." It's like, no, dude, they had a nice start to the season, and they've come back to earth now, and you need to understand that, and that's okay. It's do- like It doesn't need to be a, a world-is-ending conversation because they've lost, you know, w- whatever it is now. I-, I don't even know how many it is in a row five now. Five in a row. Five in a row now. Yeah, you lost they've five lost in five in a, in a row. Like, okay, great. You've lost five in a row. Who'd you lose to? I mean, I, I know you had... Clippers, Pistons, Warriors, Suns, and Bulls. Got some good teams there. They're not all great teams, but you got some good teams there. Well, but the problem is you've lost, you know, essentially eight of 10. You're 12 wins against 11 losses. You lose tonight. You're a 500 basketball team. Um, you know, you're already two and a half behind Denver in the Northwest. Like, you're you're out of essentially you're well, you're not out of, but if you look at the, you look at the standings right now, you're struggling to stay in a playoff spot. Now, having said that, 
you're only three and a half games off the top spot in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that tells you the depth and the quality of the Western Conference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I, I think, you know, like this morning, everyone's all enraged about this Steph Curry travel call to end that game last night. And and I'm just Which, simply, by the way, that's a travel. It is a travel. And I think that people we don't need to get into the minutia of why that's a travel, but it was a travel very clearly by the book. It's a travel. And my point, though, is that the Western Conference is always going to to shake out uh, with the good teams on top. Like, even if they start slow, they're going to come back through and they're going to wind up on top. And that's because when you play quality basketball more than not, like, that's where you're going to finish. And that's why I said you can't you just can't overreact one way or the other. Like, like everyone's saying, oh, the Warriors are done, like the Draymond and pool thing is this huge deal to this team and it's like yeah it's gonna take him a few games to get over that he punched someone in the face yeah but now they're fine so i'm not buying well okay i want to do i want to kick your ass in an nba power rankings conversation i really do i I mean i will chain you to a pipe i will i i mean you, you oh steph curry man wow no my point is this jazz team is going to get better Every game they play, they're going to get better. They have to learn to win games. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, when we're sitting here talking jazz basketball and and what? Their record is 12 and 11. Yeah. Right? They have to win. They have to learn to win games. You're 6 and 3 at home, 6 and 8 on the road, right? So you have to learn to win both at home and on the road. And I think that happens because you don't win the the – the quarters. You don't win the end of court. You don't win the final two minutes of a quarter. You don't win the final two minutes of a game. The Bulls and DeMar DeRozan dominated the end of the game. And you've got to figure out how to change that momentum. And I think a lot of that is just playing smarter basketball. Look, I I love Kelly Olynyk. He doesn't belong in the game in the final five minutes. He's yeah. a guy, in my opinion, that is great. You love having him on your team. I'm not telling you that Kelly Olynyk's a bad player. I just think sometimes his judgment is questionable. I look at a guy like Colin Sexton. I I can teach and coach up Colin Sexton for end-of-the-game situations. But I look at Jordan Clarkson. There was a reason last year, and we're starting to see this again. There's a reason last year that Quinn Snyder doesn't have Jordan Clarkson on the floor at the end of the game mm-hmm. because you can't trust him with, with the game on the line. Because is he going to make the right basketball player? Is he going to take a terrible shot? Or is he going to turn it over? Right? Like, seriously, that that's what this team has to do. This team has to learn to win games. And that, a lot of times, is easier said than done. You know, it, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world. Good morning, Kenai Johnson. First one in. KJ, good to see you. He nice. says, top of the morning, fellas. The Jazz haven't been playing good since Conley got injured. Is Conley the engine that runs the team? I mean, there's a conversation to be had around that, and it looks like he is nearing a return. I don't know that I'd say he's the engine that runs the team. What I would say is that is that he's the guy that calms the calms the ship when things tend to go awry. And I think that Mike Conley is is just brings that presence on the floor where where when the Jazz need to look to someone to get them into a set or like just kind of give them he just gives them some direction. It's not like he's the guy that comes out and saves them the way Kevin Durant saves the Nets. Like, that's a different thing. Like, Mike Conley just simply is going to bring leadership on the floor. And I think this team sorely misses that leadership when he's not playing. Well, I also think you have to understand he's not going to play. I mean, he's a guy that's that's injured. Water's wet and Mike Conley's hurt. Yeah. That's just the story of the guy's career. So 
this is where you need development. And again, <clears throat> excuse me, again, I think it brings up this question of guard rotation on this team. I mean, like what guard rotation works? What combinations work? Can you play Sexton and Clarkson together? I don't know if I want to do that. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, like, can you play Sexton, THT, and Conley together? Yeah, yeah you can. I think you could, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Can you play Sexton, THT, and Clarkson together? I don't know if you can do that because who can you count on there to score the bucket, right? Like, that. that's the, does the ball move enough? Like, it, you get into these situations with THT where if he's not shooting the three well, if it's not going in, all of a sudden he's a very limited player. So he becomes a distributor. Well, I don't need THT to be a distributor. I need him to run. I need him to use his physicality against other guards. Yeah. Right? Like, so the question is then, well, when Mike Conley's in the lineup, you're, you're, you're deeper because Mike can do a lot of different things and he can be a lot of different things. Right? But again, I just ask if Mike Conley's healthy is Laurie Markin in a zero against the Bulls in the second half? No. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, it, it, is Will Hardy not calling plays for Laurie Markkinen? Are Do they not have offensive sets? I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe. But when you score 24 points in the first half and then you score eight in the second half, I mean, you, you two things are very apparent. I watched the entire Mavs-Warriors game last night. Luka Doncic had 40 points again. And a lot of them were in the second half. I was at the Bulls Jazz game. DeMar DeRozan was pitiful for two and a half quarters. But what happened? When it was winning time, DeMar DeRozan found a way to get the ball in the hoop. Yeah. That's what Laurie Markkinen hasn't been doing for this team. And as a Bulls fan, trust me when I tell you, he ain't that guy, pal. I don't know that. I, I, well, You're I do know. not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. He's not a number one. That's the bottom line. He's, he's not a number one. But what he is, is a really good number two. Yeah. But again, this, and I don't mean to be redundant. I know we've had this conversation about the Jazz a million times. They just don't have an alpha male. When they're 100% healthy, they don't have an alpha male. Yeah, and I wonder how they go and get that guy. I mean, obviously trading for him yeah. you know, is, a, is a possibility. But I just wonder how that works out because, you know, getting... Like getting that dynamic wing alpha male guy, like that's going to take a lot of, you're going to have to give up quite a bit to get a player of that caliber. So to me, it's interesting. Like in those kind of conversations, does Laurie Markkinen not come up? Like if you're calling the Jazz and you have, you know, a, a Jalen Brown offer, let's say, just as an example, like yeah. aren't you asking for Laurie Markkinen? That's the problem. So that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know who, I don't know what guy that is that they try to go and get, but they definitely need one. They got to go and find somebody. Yep, I agree. Good morning, Riley O'Brien. Good to see you. Salty Drunk, what's up? Hope you got some more Forex gold. Uh, Sam Locke, good to see you. He says, Kelly Olenek's basketball IQ is bad at times. He doesn't play good defense at all, and his rebounding is awful. Okay, well, I think that's probably over the top. I think yeah. I think Kelly O is a decent rebounder, but he's not the athlete uh, that a lot of the, the fours and fives he goes up against are. Um, but that's why as a team, you have to rebound. Now, I, I think another lesson that we're learning is that the Jazz lack a big man. And I know you said that yesterday. Yeah. But we saw it plain and simply like, you know, you you look at what the Bulls bring to the bring to the 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 party in, in the middle. I mean, it's a guy like Nikola Vucevic who is trash. Trust me when I tell you that. He's not a guy that rebounds well. 
Um, but you look at Javante Green, you look at Andre Drummond dominating the other night. What you you look at the guards, you look at Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, like those guys really rebound as a way of life. The Jazz don't do that, right? So they have to, as a team, they have to rebound. I, I absolutely think that, you know, when we talk about development, and again, I'll just say what I've always been saying, you've got to find out how, how close to the top end is Walker Kessler. Yeah. I don't think he's close. But now you got to push him to be close, closer to his top end. I think he's a really important guy. I do. Uh, but let's not get over the top on on Kelly Olynyk. You know what that guy is. Yeah, he is a role player. He is a guy that's going to fight hard. He's going to shoot corner threes for you. He is going to make little plays. He's going to get fouled. Like that's what he is. He's not. He's not a number three on a team. Yeah, you didn't sign him expecting him to be some great player for you. No. You signed him just to contribute a little bit. Steve Hambone, what's up? He says, I think part of the reason why the Jazz are in a slump uh, is because the team are figuring out uh, the Jazz. I'm not too worried about it. We'll figure something out. Well, you're going to figure out different players. I think Kurt Myers, what's up? Good to see you, bud. Edgar Garcia, good morning. Players. I love that he said P-L-A-Y-A-S. Players. Players. Uh, the Jazz were always supposed to be like this. That's very true. Very true. We forget, uh, forgot it because they started out on fire. That's very yep. true. Yep. That is very true. Well, and I think Mike Maples makes a really good point. Um, not surprisingly. Good morning, friends. We said it for three months now. This year is about development, not wins and losses. Develop Vando, Lori, Sexton, Kessler. I know what the rest of the team is. I, I'm... Let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Because I think Maples brings up a really good point about development. What is his ceiling? If if I said project forward two years, what is Jared Vanderbilt's ceiling? Like, what kind of player is he? Yeah, I mean, I think Jared Vanderbilt can be, you know, uh, uh, you know, he can be a, a better version of a P.J. Tucker. He can be a better version of Draymond, offensively speaking. But defensively like I, there's this balance he's going to have to find so like if he doesn't develop as an offensive player defensively he's going to have to be elite like he's going to have to be one of the best defenders in the nba if he wants to be on championship caliber teams if he wants to be a guy who makes a ton of money in his career and has a, in like blossoms you, you you can't have it both ways right like you either have to be this dynamic defensive guy who can guard four positions and use his body properly depending on who he's guarding or you come back to the middle a little bit defensively and you got to be much better offensively, which to me, that's the route I think he's going to take because, you know, being at the Bulls game, like you, you can clearly see he instinctually, he knows when to shoot and when not to shoot. The problem is his mechanics aren't great. So the spin he gets on the ball, the arc of the ball, the trajectory of the ball doesn't really help more shots go in. Well, that's the problem. I, I also think that the the other issue is is that Jared Vanderbilt's not big enough to play to be a five on most nights. He's mm -hmm. a power forward, right? So I think his biggest, highest, best use, his biggest jump is going to be defensively. And I think for a second round pick, I think 41st overall, he's what, 23 years old. It's not like we know who he is at the top of his game. He's got to become a better shooter, but he's also got to become a better all-around offensive player. I would like to see something other than him running around the top of the key setting picks. I'd like to see the ability to pass more effectively. I'd like to see the ability to, to you know, have some type of game at the rim. Right now, he's a really good run the floor, take a pass, dunk the ball, run back down, play defense. If that's all he ever is, hey, for, for the 41st overall pick in the draft, 
you're probably good. But this guy's a McDonald's All-American. He played at Kentucky. I mean, you would expect there to be a little bit more gas in the tank than just an average guy. And right now, I think he's just an average guy. Mm -hmm. But again, he's 23. Is that young? I mean, it's not old. Depends who but, you're trying to be. Well, but when you're a power forward yeah. and you're 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 cutting your niche in the NBA, it feels like Vando is turning into a three and D guy, and he's not so consistent at the three point stripe yet. Mm -hmm. So he's got to do something better the next five months than he's doing now. Yeah, and I think you know if that's also the struggle for the Jazz right now. Like you don't have threats offensively. You don't like you don't have enough. Like you look at. The Clippers tonight, as an example, they have threats all over the floor. Guys who can shoot it well enough that you have to respect it. You know, whether you're looking at Reggie or Morris or even Zubats at times can knock down the elbow jumper. Like, they have guys. Obviously, you know, Paul George, you know, um, you know they have guys that, that can score individually. And, and so, to me, I look at this Jazz roster and, uh, you know, you look at some of the guys who contribute offensively most nights. Obviously, Laurie can get his own. Colin Sexton, I feel like it's a mindset thing for Colin, you know? Sometimes, like, you know, in, in, in the second quarter, he's a defensive guy in the Bulls game. He's a defensive guy who's not really looking to score the basketball. But then you get him in the second half, Will Hardy's had a conversation, Will Hardy said, hey, you need to get it going, and all of a sudden, Colin Sexton's running around the paint with the basketball and getting high percentage paint looks. So that's what I'm saying. Like that, like they don't have the Jazz don't have enough guys that are looking for the shot on any given possession. That's a big issue for them. Yep. Uh, Salty Drunk says, develop Sexton. The dude is in the fifth year in the league. Yeah, but he's 23 years old. I mean, he's a first round pick. I mean, this guy that scored 24 points a game before the knee injury. Yeah. I mean, he, he has a lot to give here. Like, I. There's this notion that, again, like take this comment. Well, he's fifth year in the league. What do you mean develop him? Every single game you have to do something better. Yeah. You do. And they've had practice time this week. I would expect them to come out and be better tonight because of the loss against the Bulls, time to study the film, have practice, play a game. Mm -hmm. I'd expect them to be better. Colin Sexton is a guy – Look, we saw Will Hardy, you know, take a large bite out of his ass. Yeah. We saw that. And I think what we saw is a better, more thoughtful Colin Sexton offensively since that argument the, that night on the bench. Fair. We've seen a guy that's making the extra pass. We've seen the guy not getting blocked at the rim with a guy wide open in the corner. Like, we're seeing that. There is absolutely development and growth in Colin Sexton's game. I look at Donnie. Look at Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland. Tell me this year he's not a far better player than he was last year. Donnie, please. He is. And my point is, guys get better. It's the system that you play in. It is now for the Jazz, the difference is that you have a guy like David Fisdale in an organization that is committed to growth and development. You have a coach in Will Hardy that is known for teaching, for being a good teacher, for being a developer. So we're starting to see that guys like Colin Sexton are growing because he's getting into it. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, repeatedly in the Bulls game, I can tell you, like he said to him, there was a stretch where Nikhil took a terrible three-point shot and then turned it over. Will Hardy called a timeout and said, it's not good enough. It's not effing good enough. Fucking A. And was, in, was talking directly to Alexander-Walker. Walked over, put his arm around him, come back out. NAW hits a three, gets two turnovers. Like, 
plays a much better game. Yeah. This organization is growing and developing talent. If these guys were 25, we'd probably be having a different conversation. But they're 20, 21, 20, 23, THT, guys like Walker Kessler, guys like Colin Sexton, guys like Vando. Yeah. You have plenty of development time in these guys, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you know, I like, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jerem Patterson, good morning. He says, uh, I'm just happy that Jazz are doing decent. Missing pieces need to make some moves. And they will. Absolutely they will uh, make some pieces. Ron Nolan says, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Okay, you know. Uh, yeah, I, exactly, you know. Uh, KJ says, we have to realize that it doesn't matter if we win or lose this year, but if we are winning, I think that brings a star player to help us get over the hill. And again... Like, let's, let's kick Jake's ass in the power ranking game and see how many teams he gets wrong in conferences. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, who's the best team in the NBA right now? If I said to you, hey, top five teams in the NBA right now. I mean, if you look at the East, it's, I think it's pretty clearly the Celtics and Bucks have separated themselves. Yeah, as they And probably do. the yeah. Celtics are probably, the Boston Celtics are probably the best team in the NBA. Where are the Cavs at right now as far as like games back and record? And... They're four off the lead in the East. Yeah, so, you know, the, the problem is, is that, well, not the problem, but the, the dynamic in the East is that you have these two teams in Boston and Milwaukee who have been chasing chips for the last three, four seasons. So, like, they're not yeah. going to have chemistry issues or putting new guys together like they're just there's one goal in mind for these two teams you know I look at I look at Cleveland with Donnie and my only question about that team is what does it look like in crunch time in a seven game series but like, look at look at Boston though real quick yeah why is Boston better because they developed Jalen Brown and they went out and got Malcolm Brogdon yeah, that's why they're right. But I, and, and I'm serious yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon's but, been interesting yeah but look at Jalen Brown yeah why is Jason Tatum better? Yeah. Because Jalen Brown's better. Because they're growing together, right? So JT's scoring 30 points a game now, right? You, you're Like he is very quietly because, and I think I've watched probably as much NBA basketball as anybody. He's not having some spectacular season. Very quietly, he's in the MVP conversation. Very quietly, I think they, I think the Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA. And it's because a guy like Jason Tatum, and you want to talk about age, Jason Tatum's 24 years old. That's but, it. But all of a sudden, he's scoring 30 points a game, which is exponentially more than he has ever scored, right? Previously, his career high was 27. He's at 30.8 points a game. He's scoring four more points a game. Yeah, and to average 30, that means you got to be pushing 40 on a lot of nights. He, and it's because... They are better. They are deeper. Their rotations are better. Yeah. Like I also look at I also look at a guy like Marcus Smart. Somehow, some way, Marcus Smart is playing the best basketball of his career. And I think, and I don't even I feel dumb saying it, he's a better defensive player this year than he was last year. Yeah. And, and what, I well, thought how old I, is he? What's his what's his deal? He is twenty eight. Yeah. I, so you see what I so this is a great example. So you know, you have Jason Tatum, who, who's only 24 years old, man. I mean, that is just not old at crazy. all. He's not even in his prime yet. You look at Smart at 28 years old, in his prime, as a defensive first guy who can knock down a three for you. Making like, Marcus insane. Smart is making 35% of his three-point shots. Yeah, I mean, that's a great number for, <laughs> like, if Draymond Green made 35%, oh, like, my oh, my God, dude. Like, but this, this is why... Yeah. 
Danny Ainge last year was so aggressive trying to get Marcus Smart on this team. Yeah. Because if you'd added Marcus Smart to this team, my guess is Donnie's still here today. Keep it real. And we're in a different conversation. I don't think there's any doubt Rudy Gobert was gone no matter what they did. Yeah. I think Marcus Smart, had he been able to pull off that Boston trade, I think Donnie's still here. Donnie? That, and I think that's how impactful he is. But if we're talking top five teams in the NBA, yeah. I, think, I think the Boston Celtics are number one. Yeah. I think the, the Phoenix Suns are number two. I think the Devin Booker, another perfect example right here. Devin Booker's a player that is without Chris Paul, and I think that's important. Devin Booker's a player who right now is averaging 28 points a game without their number one facilitator in Chris Paul. And you look at where he is numbers-wise. He's having a career year scoring, right? And he's not having a career year shooting the ball. In fact, I think he's having a terrible year from three. He's only shooting 35%, but he's getting in the line. He's one of the best. I think Kevin Durant's the best, best mid-range player in the NBA ever. Mm -hmm. But I think Devin Booker is top two or three mid-range players. Well, Devin Booker is, and this is you know what's happening with Tatum as well, These the that kind of guy in the league is starting to understand what they need to do to get their looks. And it, look, it's again, it's like DeMar the other night, you know, pitiful in the first half. Absolutely embarrassing, not what you would expect, right? But then they get going in the second half by getting fouled, by, by you know, playing a little more physical, yes. see, just seeing the ball go in a little bit. So, like, these guys are getting better at understanding, hey, I've got five points at the half. Yeah, I got to have a big second half. How, do, how does that start? Well, that starts by getting in the paint and seeing the ball go in the hole. And what do you know? Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, DeMar DeRozan, all these guys wind up scoring 30, 35 a night even with a bad first half. So that's that's how you know they're developing. And when I look at the Jazz, I want to see Laurie turn into that guy a little bit. But Laurie's never going to be that guy if, if Will Hardy cannot get a handle on rotating him properly. Laurie Markkinen just needs to be Aaron Gordon. That's it. Laurie Markkinen just needs to be that really good number two. That's, that's, that's all he needs to be. Yeah. And I think when you talk, and bigs are different, by the way. We're not talking about guards and wing players. Laurie Markkinen is a is a hybrid big. Yeah. He is a three, four, sometimes five, sometimes two. Like he can play different different matchups. But I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now that Phoenix is, in my opinion, I think Phoenix is two, Milwaukee's three. Now here's where it gets interesting, four or five. Because I actually think I actually think Denver is fourth. I think Denver's better than Cleveland. When you're getting the contribution that you're getting out of four guys. And then the Contavious Caldwell Pope trade, I still think Excellent is. Trade. And, and I know that everybody laughs at me when I talk about KCP. Again, I will just say he shot the LA Lakers to the bubble championship. Yeah. And you can talk about AD and LeBron. Absolutely, you should. Alex Caruso and Contavious Caldwell Pope are the reason they won that championship. Mm -hmm. And Denver is realizing just how important Cantavius Caldwell Pope can be. And if you look at Denver, again, just like JT and the Celtics, the Denver Nuggets are very quietly pretty dang good. Well, Michael Porter Jr. is the guy you got to watch for there, right? Like, I think Jamal Murray coming off the injury has been uh, as advertised. Like, obviously, He's you know. about ready. By the way, I don't know how many people look at... I, I'm an idiot and a nerd, and I get it. Hey guys. Has anybody looked at Jamal Murray's minutes distribution? Yeah, he's just about now pushing 30 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. And you're just at the quarter pull. Yeah, that's And he's saying. given you 15 yeah. to 17 points a night. Yeah. 
They're going to be very difficult in the playoffs. I think that team is bad. Well, it's a tough place to play as well because of the altitude and everything. Much like here, obviously. You know, it's yeah. a tough place to go and win a game. Yeah. Uh, Riley says, agree with you, Monty. Sexton averaging his career low in points thus far, but that doesn't feel or seem disappointing. It doesn't. That's exactly right, Riley O. It doesn't feel disappointing. Colin Sexton, I feel like Colin Sexton is, is it too much to say learning to play NBA basketball again? Because he's playing in a completely different role and system than he came up in. Mm -hmm. So you feel like he's, he, he's just starting over almost. And I think he's been really bad and really good. And now we need to find that center where he can live you know, for the the rest of the season. Well, I think he's just got to raise his baseline. That 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 to me, like you got to raise your 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 floor. Like you you have to be able to say, okay, much like again, much like Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and these elites in the league, like that's all they've done, right? Like Book yeah. Book and Jason Tatum have gone from twenty four to twenty six a night to twenty eight and thirty a night. Like they've just slowly but surely raised their floor, and I think that. We can't forget that Colin Sexton's coming off of a knee, man. Like, you have to remember that he's going through that process still. And he looks great. Yes. Explos explosion is there. Like, looks 100% healthy to me, to my eye. Maybe maybe mentally is there hesitation still? I, I don't know. But watching him the other night, like, he looked very aggressive and ready to go. Like, no problem jumping with guys. So, to me... I just think these these guys on the roster just have to continue and slowly but surely get better. Whether it's Vando, Sexton, Walker, Kessler, certainly. You just got to keep getting better. Yep. Uh, Utah Jazz Talk in the NBA presented by TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Now, you know we talk about this every single day. They're one of our best partners on the show. Uh, if you haven't watched the free webinar at TridayTrading.com slash Monty, I... I don't know what you're waiting for because it is absolutely a game changer. And one of the things we talk about is a year comes to an end and anybody who's ever been in sales or in a sales position or when you have goals and you have, you know, projections that you're working on. And if you're that guy that's like, okay, man, January 1st, my ass is in the gym mm -hmm. or, Hey, I'm I, 2023 is the year I'm getting a new job. I'm changing my life. Why are you waiting for 2023? We we've got, 31 days left in the year. Let's go do it right now. Let's end 2022 with a bang by getting to TridayTrading.com slash Monty and watching a free webinar. That's it. Not spending money, not spending a ton of time, spending nothing, investing in your future. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Let's not set goals where you know again, every year you tell yourself, man, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to change my career. I'm going to take my family on that trip to Disneyland. I'm going to budget. I'm going to, the bottom line is this. Are you making $1,000 a day? Right now, today, in the job that you're doing, are you making $1,000 today? If the answer is no, or if you wonder, well, let me think about that. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty, if you're wondering. Hey, let me ask you this. Are you making three, four, five, six hundred $600 a day? Well, let me think about that. Well, if I work overtime... TridayTrading.com slash Monty. No overtime. No Christmases, no holidays. You being you, working for you, making the money that you've always dreamed of. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. That's the way you go here. And the best part about Triday Trading is they're going to teach you their system that has worked for so many people. There are people who have gone through the Triday Trading program who are making $1,000 a day. And I ask you every day, if I could promise you 
that you're going to make, you know, three, five, a thousand dollars every day for the rest of the week. Would you do it? Would you be like, oh yeah, I'm all in on that. Yeah, you would. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Just go watch the free webinar. That's all you have to do. Utah Jazz Talk and the NBA presented by Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. And remember as well, when you start trading, you trade with their money, not your money. And when you make money with their money, they're going to give you 50% of the profit. It's that simple. Go watch the free webinar. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Let's run through some of your comments on the NBA uh, and the Jazz. Uh, Salty says, watch OKC. That's development. It's true. I it mean, is. you look at Josh Giddey, you look at SGA, like you look at uh, several of their guys, like you have good development happening there. Yeah, Chet's amazing. Yeah, except he's hurt and not playing. Gonzaga. Uh, you know, let's see. Salty Drunk says, Draymond hits his teammates better than the, the three. And see, like he punches him in the face better. Man, that was wow. That I mean, man, I, I punch that was incredible. By the way, is anybody noticing that Kaminga's getting meaningful minutes? Yep, they're playing Kaminga. He is the next Draymond. That's what they want him to be. They want him to be a defensive force that gives you more offensively. And he is giving. He hit a critical three last night. Like I, if you didn't see the the Warrior Mavs game last night. I don't know how Klay Thompson missed that three. And guess who made the perfect pass? Draymond Green. Mm -hmm. On an inbound play. And this is why Draymond's so lethal. He throws a cross-court lob to the opposite elbow. Boom. Perfect pass. Wide open Klay Thompson missed the three. Yeah. I mean, it was... I, I mean, I thought it was going in. Well, I thought Everybody in, thought it was going in. And it's it Klay Thompson. It didn't go in. It didn't go in. And that's I think, you know, if you're the Warriors, you're going to live with that. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, like, that's great offense. He yeah. just missed it. Yep. Mesh says, I'll take the Nuggets, Clippers, and Bucks fully healthy over the Suns any day in a seven-game series. I don't I'm know. not taking the Clippers over the Suns. The Suns are too good defensively right now, but the problem is the Clippers aren't going to be fully healthy at any time this year. And I don't think the Nuggets are proven. I agree. They're mm -hmm. a damn good team. But they're not proven. At the quarter pole, they're a damn good team. Yeah. But I don't think you can sit here and say you believe in MPJ. I just think that back. Dude, I know the Suns can get mm. to the NBA Finals. I know that. That's a fact. Like, we've seen that. I don't know that the Nuggets can do that. I don't know that, you know, the Clippers can do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. How, what's the right way to say this? I think the Suns are well aware that this is it. For this group of guys, this is it. With the Cam Johnson knee injury, he's out till probably late January. Chris Paul's hurt again. Water's wet. CP3's hurt. Mm. You've got to go in a different direction. I think, and there's some thought around the NBA that Monty Williams could be coming to the end of his time in Phoenix. There's The DeAndre Ayton situation is unresolved. And you may say, well, he's got this max extension. He does. They don't like each other. I think that they're doing a good job, though, keeping it under the radar. Oh, I would agree with that. Like, when you have... I would agree with that. Because they, remember, they were at a point where where Aiton and Monty Williams hadn't talked heading into the season, according to DeAndre Aiton. Now, maybe DeAndre Aiton was lying. I don't know, right? Who the hell knows? But what I do know is that's what was in the media, and it's a bad look. And now you have DeAndre Aiton in press conferences on Monday, I think that was. Maybe that was... Sunday, you know, earlier in the week, uh, coming out and saying like, hey, I, I need to lead the line on physicality. I need to lead the line on energy 
because when I do that, my teammates follow and match that energy, and that's really good for our basketball team. That puts us in a much better position, and that's what I can control. You know, and so if DeAndre Ayton's going to be locked in like this and playing better defense, not great defense, he's never going to be some ridiculous defender, but better defense, and he can be locked in offensively, especially with CP3 being out, especially with Cam Johnson being out, you're going to be in a much better spot. And that's why I say, like, I don't disagree that this is probably their last run together. And, and when you start to hear rumblings of Monty Williams' time coming to an end, I think the Phoenix Suns very well could be in that position where this is the last year together and as an organization, big picture, not just players, in the big picture, this organization rolls over and is a bad team again, but has new leadership, new culture, has to kind of go through that rebirth process with the Sarver stuff and everything happening. And that's why I think you will see if Monty Williams is going to be done, if Book is going to be done, if Aiton's going to move on, that is why they would do that. I don't know that I'm convinced that Book's going to move on. I think it depends on the Robert Sarver sale thing because, by the way, that's been very quiet. Mm -hmm. And usually when an NBA franchise goes up, it goes fast. There's some interesting things there. I, I think that's a huge thing that people have kind of forgotten about, but... If Robert Sarver doesn't sell the team lock, stock, and barrel, Devin Booker's going to leave. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think when you look at that group of guys, you have guys that are good, not great. And I think Devin Booker's one of the best scorers in the NBA. 100%. But he needs help, right? As all guys but do. I really, but, but hold on. I really hate that, that, that saying now. Because I feel like it used to be 10 years ago when LeBron was in Miami. It was like, oh, LeBron doesn't need help. Right? Like, LeBron can win a ring on his own. Sure. Dude, LeBron had loads of help. Right? Like, let's not forget that. So, I don't I don't like nowadays where the league is at. Uh, not that you were doing this, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, Book needs help. JT needs help. Like, this guy needs help. And it's like, yeah, dude, they do need help. Kevin Durant needs help. Right? Like, the best players Nobody's in the league need help. Nobody's winning championships on their own anymore. Yeah. This league is about duos and trios now. Yeah. And really what you need is a it, it's it's Boston, it's the Celtics. It's why I think they're going to win the East this year. You've got to stay healthy and you've got to have a dynamic duel with a great supporting cast. Yeah. That's what makes you a great team. And I I I think it's how Boston is going to win. I think it's how Golden State did win. I think it's one of the biggest problems with Phoenix right now is they don't have a dynamic duo because you can't count on Chris Paul. And it's very interesting to see what are they going to do at the trade deadline. Is Phoenix and is Phoenix too loyal to their role players? I think they are. I think they absolutely are. I would trade Cam Johnson. I I, I just think you he's been so injured. You got to trade that guy. I look at Golden State. Golden State doesn't have a dynamic duo anymore. Their dynamic duo is Steph and Wiggs. That's who their dynamic duo is. And Clay Thompson, I don't know if he ever recaptures his shooting form. I don't know that he ever becomes that guy again. But you look at, at Golden State, this is the last ride for Draymond Green in Golden State. Yeah. I, I, I think you're looking at the end for Clay Thompson in Golden State. Mm. I think mm. that they are going to be married to Wiggs, Kaminga, and Curry. Those three guys, they're going to carry the ball forward. I don't know what to make of Jordan Poole, and I know we've disagreed on this. Yeah. I don't believe that Jordan Poole is a superstar. I think he has superstar ability, but I think he's he's that guy he's that's got $100 bills worth of talent, but he's got a 10-cent head. And I think that he is arrogant. I think he likes himself too much, 
And I just don't know that you can give him the ball in a championship situation because that's the bar now in Golden State. Right. That's the bar. Right. Championship situation. Is he ever Steph Curry? Is he ever Klay Thompson in his prime? And I don't think yeah, he I mean, is. Right now, you're not saying – I mean, I have to agree. You can't say that he is. But I, but I also – just a caveat there, right, because we've been doing the age thing all morning. He's only 23, right? And he's got a yeah. ton of experience already in big game playoff situations. So does he turn into a more humble guy? Does he turn into the guy that you can count on? Maybe. I don't know. I think that's definitely, nah, that's definitely so. a wild card question mark. But wouldn't but, he have done that already? And that's the thing I, I maybe yeah. like I look at Andrew Wiggins as a really good example of Jordan Poole. Yeah. Because Wiggs hasn't been a foundational player until he got into a championship culture. Wow. The problem is Jordan Poole's in a championship culture and he's always been in a championship culture. And some guys just this is James Wiseman. Why is James Wiseman in the D League? Right, or in the G League, excuse me, because he's not that guy. Yeah. I think Jordan Poole is really good. He's just not great. And if I put Jordan Poole on any of the B teams in this league, the Bulls, the Sixers, the Nets, frankly, if you put him on any of those B teams, does he carry them to, to, to being an A team? No, he does not. Because yeah. he's not a team guy. He's not a share-the-ball guy. I think he's capable of putting a 40 on any given night, though. I, and I think that that has a lot of value in the league. And I think that... You know the the Warriors the the Warriors are really playing the the which questionable route do we want to go game meaning hey do we want to you know try to rely on Clay to get the three ball back to the level it was do we want to rely on Jordan Poole do we want to put our hopes in the future in Kaminga like what route do you want to go. I think the only route that really is determined is Draymond, as you said. I yeah. really think that this is Draymond's last run. And Golden State, the reason you're seeing so much more Kaminga right now is because they know that. They know that they got to reset that position. And Kaminga has to be given the opportunity to develop yep. and be put in a position but to be successful. I also, like, I think the Bulls are a fascinating example of this. And I think most of you know I'm a huge Bulls fan. Right. They they opened a championship window and they they're just watching it like, you know that window in your house that's stuck like right here and you got to fight it to that's the Chicago Bulls yeah because they didn't make the Rudy trade they are stuck with a guy like a Pat Williamson and Nikola Vucevic what are they willing to give up to get to the next level because Demar and Zach are not getting younger so I would assume you have to be willing to give them up. You have to. Yeah, You're I don't. Not I, choice. I don't know that you can give up young, young one-two combo guards because he can really shoot. Hey, listen to me. I get it. He can play. The fact is, you've done a poor job with your roster, so you're being pigeonholed into a position where Desumu is your best option as far as trades. Like, yeah, you could move Vucevic. You could move, you know, Pat Williams. But who, like, those guys now are not going to have the same value they did before the summer was here. Well, and I think that's one of the more interesting parts about building a championship team. And I think that's why, and I think somebody was saying it. Skinny Dick Nick said, uh, Danny's going <coughs> to form a big three like he did with the Celtics. Yeah, I sure hope so. But it's got to be through trades, which, by yeah. the way, you know, if you go and look at the, the Kevin Garnett deal or whatever, I think you, I, I, I think that's the only way you can do it here in, in Utah. Jeff Johnson, what's up? How the heck are you? Uh, Ron Nolan says, I don't know nothing. N-U-T-T-E-N. Right. This right. is a family show. Right. Okay? Yeah. You guys are learning me lots. Okay. 
Uh, Salty Drunk says, you guys are a, have a tragic bromance with Draymond. The guy's a hack. Dude, what are you talking about? I, the thing like, that I don't understand is why is it so hard for you to show respect to good players? You don't have to like the guy personally. I don't love the fact that that he committed workplace violence. We've talked about that. I'll drop that motherfucker. But I'm not going to I'm not going to rip the guy's game because I don't like him as a dude. He's a really important player. He is arguably one of the most impactful power forwards that's ever played in 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 the NBA. Yeah. Draymond Green, without doubt, is one of the most successful power forwards to ever play in the NBA. He is on one of the most dominant teams that without him would not be the dominant, iconic franchise that they've become. What would I do without you? You don't have to like him, but you have to respect him. Yeah. And if you don't respect Draymond Green's game, you don't know anything about the NBA. Yeah. That, I mean, those are just the facts. I don't like Draymond Green as a guy. I don't like that he uses violence to get what he wants because he's done it not only in a bar, but now in, in, in the workplace. No, I don't like that. I have a lot of respect for his game. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to speak poorly of the guy, the guy's game because I don't like him as a person. That's just not what you do. San Diego State Aztec, what's up? Good to see you. Skeet says, so you're endorsing toxic masculinity now. What the hell does that even mean, dude? Come on. Like, what come are you on. doing? Come on, come on. Tanner, good morning to you. They don't have a bromance with Draymond Salty Drunk. They just respect his game. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and I just don't think it's that complicated. Like, I like with all due respect to Salty Drunk or, you know, toxic masculinity buddy over here, like, I, I, why does it have to be so complex? Why does it have to be so difficult? Like, there's Draymond the basketball player, and there's Draymond the dude. Dude is a douche, but also contributes at a really high level. So it's kind of that... That conundrum that we find ourselves in. If you can't respect the pass he made last night to Clay Thompson, I, I mean, there's just n there's no conversation for us to have. I mean, if you cannot respect his skill and ability, you know, uh, Tanner LeBron had almost no help when he won the NBA title in 2016, other than Kyrie Irving, who hit the biggest three of that whole run. They don't win without LeBron, but I got news for you. They don't win without Kyrie. Yeah, and even before that three, they don't win those prior two games without Kyrie. Like yep. football at 50 in two minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Salty Drunk says, oh, so another contradiction, Monty, is Luka drops 40. What are you talking about, What are you about, talking dude? about? What, what does Luka have to do with anything? I have no idea what you're talking about. Jordan Braun says, Brown says, hey, guys, hey, guys, your mom's hot. Thanks. Um, okay, nice, dude. My mom's not hot, actually. In any way, shape, or form. My okay. mom is not hot. Okay. So it's All right, fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I just, I think it's really interesting that on a daily basis, when we talk about, you know, the biggest stories in sports presented by Quick Quack Car Wash, the NBA is, is generally one of the biggest topics on this show. Yeah. And I think when you look at the NBA right now, the storylines really have not changed that much. You know, like, hey, when are the Lakers going to blow it up? I don't know. Not soon enough. Which is to say, when are they going to trade Anthony Davis? Because I think they're going to trade Anthony Davis. You look at the Clippers are injured. You look at Boston. You look at Golden State, Chicago. Like, the, the teams are all the same. And it's because you have the haves and the have-nots. Mm -hmm. And I look at teams like Oklahoma City. At what point do you stop drafting young players and start winning games? At, at what point does that happen? Because they're not going to, you know, it's Sacramento. At what point do we stop talking about laser beams and start talking about Sacramento as a really good team? Yeah. Well, Sacramento is very different than OKC in that now Sacramento can win every game they play. 
They don't, but they can. Yeah. And I think that's that's the difference when you talk about development. De'Aaron Fox has developed now into a legitimate superstar point guard in this league. But SGA is not going to develop into that legit superstar until he leaves and is in a leverage position because nobody cares. OKC is just irrelevant. Dropping 40 on one of the worst teams in the league is inconsequential. It is. It is. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand that. It really is. It's hard for people to understand that we talk nothing but football every hour, 10 to the hour on the Monty Show. We call it Football at 50, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Download the Papa Murphy's app. Make sure you use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Boy, do we have some interesting Football at 50 topics today. Um, I want to play this Aaron Rodgers sound because we're going to talk about quarterbacks this hour on Football at 50. So you know that I am a noted Aaron Rodgers hater. But Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers versus Draymond Green. (laughs) Do you have some respect for Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback? You do. The guy doesn't win. He just doesn't win. And then he says stuff like this to Pat McAfee and... I just shake my head. Listen, we are eight and four, four and eight, twelve and zero, zero and twelve. I'd be wanting to suit up this week. Oh, yeah. How come and not I- just because it's Chicago? Because that's what you do. You know, when you're when you're a player, you go out there, and if you can play, you play. You don't need some doctor to give you an excuse. Oh man, I don't know. Maybe one more week. You know, not quite a hundred percent. No, if you can go out there and compete, and you have competitive greatness in your body, in your heart, in your mind, you go out and play. That's from the Pat McAfee show. Because that's what you do. You compete. We get it. You're trying to be Captain America. Everyone's all American, bro. And I compete. I work hard for the Packers season ticket holders. And because Jordan Love showed he could throw the football, I I don't want to lose my job. So I'm going to get out there. That's what this is. That's what this is. This isn't Aaron Rodgers being an elite quarterback or... What a warrior. Take the needle, take the snap, let's go win football True games. True grit on display. The Packers are not good. They're not going to the playoffs. Whether Aaron Rodgers plays or not, Aaron Rodgers is only playing because he's worried about losing his position. He's worried about losing his job. He's not He's not because this is what we do. We sip the ayahuasca and then we go play the game. Come on, guy. That's You're not, not fooling what this anybody. Is. That you are you are worried about losing your job. That's why you're going out there. The only problem here is that they have five games left on the schedule. The only problem here is that in those five games, Love has the opportunity or would have had the opportunity if Aaron Rodgers didn't suit up to show what he can do. And everybody knows the conversations coming this offseason of how long do we stick with Aaron Rodgers? Because whether you like it or hate it, Aaron Rodgers is on the backside of his career and he's not the same guy. Even when he was at his best, he wasn't winning. So to me, this isn't even a conversation, dude. This is, all this is, is, um, I'm the guy. 
We're going to repackage and gift wrap and try to deliver a heartwarming message about how he took himself out of the game to make sure he didn't have a punctured lung. And then now this week, you know, he's going to suit it up and look great. And I'm amazing. I'm going to take an, a shot to get me through the game. Dude, we see what this is, man. And I agree with Aaron on some level. Hey, your best ability is your availability. If you're going to be hurt and Jordan Love is going to get an opportunity. But is that a question with the Packers? Nobody questions his desire to win Super Bowls, right? It's the hole in his legacy. This is just stupid. It's arrogance. Yeah. As is Deshaun Watson being activated and returning for the Browns. A couple of things I want to talk about here with Aaron, with, with Deshaun Watson on Football 50 presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Ten women that accused him of sexual misconduct and assault. Sexual harassment are going to the game on Sunday at NRG Stadium in Houston as the Browns travel to take on the Texans. Why are you going to the game? What is the point of this? I don't understand it. And if you understand it, please enlighten me. Why are the, are you going to hold up signs in protest? I, I mean, I you got paid. It. Yeah. You got paid. Why are you going to the game? Yeah. Because you can now afford tickets? I don't know. That seems odd to me. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, the, the thing that I've never understood in settlements is why not just move on? What what do you, what is the goal here? Right? Like, because the goal isn't to go to a football game. I can tell you that right now. It has nothing to do with the game itself. It has everything to do with them yeah. wanting to, like, make a stand and make an example. Okay. So where is Deshaun Watson amongst NFL quarterbacks right now? Not in five years. Like, this is a guy who hasn't played for almost two full seasons. Yeah. When he was playing for Houston, he was an elite quarterback. How many quarterbacks in the NFL today, how many guys would you take over Deshaun Watson? Because I think this is a fascinating conversation. Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson? Rodgers. Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson? Brady. Patrick Mahomes? Patty. Josh Allen? Josh. Joe Burrow? Joe. Justin Herbert. Justin. Geno Smith. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. You would take Kirk Cousins over Deshaun Watson. Yep. Derek Carr. Deshaun Watson. Jared Goff. Deshaun Watson. Trevor Lawrence. Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson. Tua Tagovai, your mama. Tua. Jalen Hurts. Jalen. Jimmy Garoppolo Bolo. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, man. I hate Jimmy G Shut so up. much. No, it, dude, you're taking Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Got to take Deshaun, dude. I'm taking Deshaun Watson over Tua, Brissett, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Aaron. I'm taking him over Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking him over Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith. I would take Justin Herbert. I would take... I think I'd take Deshaun Watson over Tom Brady. What is your... Wow. I think I would Dude. take Joe Burrow over Deshaun. I would take Josh Allen. I would take Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's going to be years before we see that top-end Deshaun Watson again. No. I think it's going to be a month. And then we're going to see... We're going to see every week that his performances are going to get better. Here's the problem for Deshaun right now. He's going to go and play against a terrible Houston Texans team. Yeah. They're not good. He is going to look really good against them. 
The other issue is, of course, that they're not going to the playoffs. Let's just be really honest about this. They're not. They're four and seven. They've won one time on the road. They're going to play at Houston, at Cincinnati. Cincinnati should probably win that game. Uh, They're going to be home for Baltimore. Baltimore should win that game. They're going to be home for the Saints. That's a game that's winnable. Yeah. Right? They're going to be at the Commanders. The Commanders should win that game. And they're going to be at the Steelers, and the Steelers should win that game. Here's the thing that I I do agree with. Deshaun Watson mentally is a really good quarterback, and he's very sharp, very strong that way. And the one thing I think no one's thinking about here, even guys on ESPN, even all the big wig talk show guys that you hear, they're not thinking about the fact that this guy, while yes, he's been off and he's had to work his ass back into shape, mentally, he's been watching tape. Mentally, he knows the playbook. Don't tell me this guy's not prepared. Don't tell me this guy hasn't been watching well, Houston Texans tape. 10 weeks to get he, into the playbook. Right, right? So that's what I'm saying. He knows the playbook. He's He, he knew when he was going to come back, hey, I need to watch a bunch of Houston Texans tape. Right? So, like, this guy knows his book, knows who he's playing. The only question is going to be, how long does it take to get acclimated back to game speed? That's it. I agree with you. I even think it could be inside of a month. If you think about it, if this guy's playing full game snaps, which he will. Dude. I mean, it could be three games, maybe. And then all of a sudden, you're off and running. So, the only other question mark that I have is what is the media backlash? What is the public backlash? What is, how does all the stuff outside of the football field impact him? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, I'm curious why you haven't used the promo code MONTY25 yet in the Papa Murphy's app. You did download the Papa Murphy's Pizza app, right? Super easy to use. Enter the promo code MONTY25 at checkout. Order it at 9 a.m. Walk in at 5 p.m. It'll be sitting on the takeout rack, just sitting there waiting for you. Your two pizzas, your chocolate chip you know, cookie, take and bake dough, sitting right there in the rack. Pick it up, walk out the door, good to go. Bada boom, bada bing, it's Papa Murphy's Pizza. Papa Murphy's presents How to Change the Way You Pizza. Step one, grab a delicious Papa Murphy's Pizza. Step two, bake. Step three, chow down on the deliciousness. Order the limited time Hog Heaven Pizza today at papamurphys.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, uh, use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off. Your purchase at $25 or more. The Monty Show is presented by The Advocates, utahadvocates.com, or you can just go to theadvocates.com. Because, by the way, big shout-out to all our listeners in Phoenix. Yes, The Advocates just opened their brand-new office in Phoenix. The best injury attorneys in the business are, I'm telling you, when you get in an accident, and we saw all these accidents yesterday, like it was... During the morning commute yesterday, the roads here in Utah were a mess. Doesn't matter where you are. If you've been in a wreck, you've got to get representation. Please do not trust your insurance company. They're out for their best interest, not yours. They have thousands of lawyers. You should have one too. Get to theadvocates.com. And again, if you're in Phoenix, check them out. Theadvocates.com. You can go to theadvocates.com slash Phoenix. Uh, That'll take you right to their Phoenix office. Brand new office there, absolutely. And by the way, if you're in Phoenix and you're battling, you know, like social security disability, the advocates are absolutely the right group to go with. No matter where you are, if you have, you know, your your mom, your grandmother, your, your family that is dealing with social security and disability, absolutely the advocates can help you with that as well. And again, there are no consultation fees. There are no retainers. You do not pay the advocates 
until they win your case. Check them out online at theadvocates.com. The Jazz and the Clippers tonight Mm -hmm. at Vivint. I'm a little surprised by the number um, uh, on this game. The number is minus six and a half, 225. Are you surprised at all that the Jazz are favored by six and a half points tonight? Yeah, I am a little. I have to be honest. I mean, I, I again, as I said last hour, the Jazz aren't playing their best basketball. But I think what you have to remember here is Vegas plays on public perception. So the perception of the Utah Jazz, even still, even though they're ninth in the West or whatever they are right now, even still is that they're an overachieving young team and and, and that the Clippers are this older team that, that isn't going to want to play at pace and isn't going to be able to handle that. And they're also playing on the perception that the Jazz beat the Clippers last time, which a lot of people are going to look at, the casuals who don't watch this team every night. So to me, this number is a money-making number for Vegas. If you're asking me what I think it should be, it should be like one. Should be two, maybe. I think you're going to see John Wall tonight. You're not going to see Kawhi or Paul George. Hey, Claw. Those guys should be back in the lineup for the Clippers when, and I say should, should, should be back in the lineup when the Clippers go home to take on Sacramento. The Jazz have a pretty good chance to win this game. I think this is one of those moments in times where you're like, hey, isn't this a game that the Jazz should win? Should win. I feel like this is a game the Jazz should win. Uh, Obviously, tomorrow morning, we'll have full reaction to Jazz and Clippers on the show. Um, You know, I think I I want this team needs to get back to their winning ways. Yeah. And tonight's a game where you you should absolutely um, you should absolutely be winning this game. Esquite says one thing Nowitzki had was a turnaround jumper. Well, he had a fadeaway with a knee up in the air. Okay, why are we go? Why are we in the weeds on on Dirk? I have no idea. Like, what are we doing? And I don't know what Jesus Christ destroys Marxism is about today. He says no pastries, too much cholesterol, and saturated fats. Uh, okay, okay, that that's fine. Um, I do love all the comments on Deshaun Watson, though. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation because I'm telling you. The perception of Deshaun Watson versus the reality of Deshaun Watson, that's what's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see Sunday he's going to come out, he's going to be rusty. But Deshaun Watson's healthy. Deshaun Watson's prepared. Deshaun Watson is motivated because it's in Houston against the Texans with those 10 women in the stands. Deshaun Watson's motivated. Thanks. This cat's ready to go. I do not believe that Deshaun Watson's going to come out and throw balls into the dirt. I don't think you're, is he going to misread some defenses? Yes. That's something that he's going to have to work through. But Deshaun Watson is fully capable of breaking you off for a 40-yard run. On third and six, he can break you off for 40. Yeah. He has, I think, one of the best arms in the NFL. And I think people forget Deshaun Watson was a really gifted passer. He's not a, a run first guy. Nope. He is a guy that can stand in the pocket and deliver the football. He is a better Lamar Jackson. He's more mobile. He's more complete. Like, you look at these guys, and that's why I get into these QB rankings, and I I look at the guys that that we talk about with, oh, hey, like, who would you rather have? Deshaun Watson versus, and I can only think of two, three guys where I'm like, yeah, it's no doubt you're taking – Patty Ice, you're taking Patty Mahomes over Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. There is no doubt that you are taking Josh Allen over Deshaun Watson. Right. But after that, there's doubt. 
if Deshaun Watson comes out in the next four games. The rest of the season. And he throws, it, it, but played in quarters, right? The next four games. If he throws for 1,200 yards in the next four games, I'm taking him over Joe Burrow. I yeah, we're different on that. We're different on that. Deshaun Watson's never taken a crap franchise to the Super Bowl. Well, he. It, I would also remind you that that Cincinnati was surrounded with some pretty good players. Yeah. And I would remind you they lost the Super Bowl too, by the way. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know, dude. Justin you, Justin you, Herbert's a really interesting a, there's one. There's a line. There's a line I'm willing to go to. Deshaun Watson needs to prove he's the same guy. I don't doubt that Oh, he I is. agree with that. But that's why I said if he goes the next four games and he throws her 1,200 yards. Yeah. I'm taking him over if Joe Burrow. If he goes 1,200 yards and, he, and the picks are limited, if he's like two, three picks. Because remember, he's never been a big interception guy. He hasn't been. He hasn't been. Listen, first of all, I just want to say, dude, Deshaun was one of my favorite quarterbacks before all this happened. But I'm not someone who's going to give dude the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I am going to go off of what I've seen and what I know him to be, and that's it. I don't know what this guy is like when he's had all this time off and he's having to basically resurrect his career. Mentally, that's a huge task. Like, let's not undervalue that. At the same time, at the same time, They've sheltered him. They've protected him. They've allowed him and put him in a position where all he's got to do is focus on watching tape, lifting weights, and throwing a football, right? That's what they've done. I would remind you that for his career, he's 104 touchdowns and 36 interceptions. Yeah, he's never been a big turnover guy. He is, he is coming off of the 2020 season in Houston where he threw for 4,823 yards. 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 70% completion. <clears throat> Don't forget, this dude is the deal. Yeah. The deal. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL before he decided to pull out the washcloth massage trick. Um, and I'm not forgetting that, but this is much like the, the Draymond Green conversation. Yeah, unfortunately, we have the, the great opportunity in sports to talk about football player versus dude. Dude is a douche. Football player is really good. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm not going to sit here and say he's better than Joe Burrow yet. I need to see it. And I'll and I'm not even trying to hate on the guy. Not trying to be negative on Deshaun. But the fact is, we need to see it. We don't. We don't. The truth is, we don't get this type of situation almost ever in the league with quarterbacks. It just doesn't happen. BB says he's going to stink up the joint in good old Cleveland fashion. Maybe we'll you know. See. We'll see. You know. Uh you know. We'll see. Uh, Roger Sales says, Deshaun has a personality flaw and it will be a problem for the Browns eventually. Who can root for the guy? He shouldn't be in the league. Oh, I agree. Oh, I think a lot of people will be rooting for Deshaun. I think but a lot I, of people think he's a victim. I, I See, and I, I think you have to compartmentalize conversations on guys like this. Just Draymond Green again. I don't love Deshaun Watson, the human being. Yeah. But I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson, the human being. I'm talking about Deshaun, the football player. Yeah. And I think... The human being, I agree. We said it. He should not be in the NFL again. He should have gotten a one calendar year suspension at a minimum. Yeah. But that's not the reality of it. And I think I'm with you. I think there will be a massive amount of people. Clevelanders tend to have a really short memory when it comes to winning games. And they're not going to think about, you know, washcloths covering a man's groinal region. Yeah. They're going to think about throwing touchdowns and winning games. Dilly dilly. Dilly, 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 dilly. And the problem is he's going to throw touchdowns and win games in Cleveland because mm -hmm. he is the deal. He is the deal.
They will surround him with talent. And I would also remind you, Nick's Chubb is still there, and they run the football really well. Yeah. Which is going to help him That's a lot. That's a scary thing. I will say that about his numbers from Houston. Dude was a 5,000-yard passer just about in Houston. Like, I get it. He had Fuller. He had some boys. I get it. But it's not like you had the talent he's going to have in Cleveland. That's the scary thing, in my opinion. I look at Chubb, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, you know, David David Bell, uh, you know, Njoku is, is one of the better tight ends you don't know about. Now, their offensive line has some issues. I agree with that. But you look at that offense. If you can sustain seven-minute, eight-minute drives and you give Miles Garrett enough time to catch his breath. Oh, yeah. They're a better football team. He's de- let, let me say this. He's definitely the best quarterback they will have had in the last 10 years. Can we just get that out of the way right now? I think Jacoby like, Brissett deserves a little credit for what he's done. Yeah. I think Jacoby Brissett is better than Baker was. Mm-hmm, I agree. And I think that he deserves a little credit because the guy just, to me anyway, he, he's an okay player. He is, he is not a great quarterback. He did a really nice job filling in. He is a solid backup, dude. Yeah. He's but, a solid backup. But I look at guys like, you know, Joel Batonio. Batonio. He's a guy like Wyatt Teller. Like, they have some guys on that offensive line. I would encourage you. And again, I'm not saying that Amari Cooper is all pro, all world, the best guy. He's not. Amari Cooper's a number one wide receiver on most teams. Yeah. And I think you combine him and Joku, that offensive line, Nick Chubb, like, I'm telling you, you man. You have tools to work with. They're going to be better than you than you think. And yeah. no, I'm not condoning what Deshaun Watson did. What is their record right now again? Four We're, and seven. So can they finish above 500? Do you think he's that capable right out the gate? He'll need to show that he's that capable. I mean, he's got that level of talent. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. you don't sit out almost two full seasons and think you're just going to walk right back in. It's not riding a bike. I've heard people say that. Oh, it's riding a bike. It's not playing quarterback in the NFL is not riding a bike. No. You have to have the thing that he's not going to have is chemistry with his guys. He's not going to be he's not going to be in sync with an Amari Cooper. Yeah. But that's not going to take long. Because the the when you talk about guys rooting for guys or people rooting for Deshaun, that locker room's rooting for Deshaun. Yeah. You better know that straight away. Yeah, and I I yeah. You can hate it. You can hate it. But that's that's absolutely the bottom line. And yeah, Mike Maples. Oh, yeah. Watson's story is Vic 2.0. How did that one end? Really well. Uh, but, but really well. I think what Mike is trying to get at there is that Mike Vic's story, you know, was really rough. It's a redemptive story. Yeah. It's absolutely. Uh, Mike Vic murdered and tortured dogs and went to federal prison because of it. And now he's on TV. And he was a really good quarterback when he came back. Was he the same guy? He wasn't. But here's the other thing. Deshaun Watson didn't go to prison. Deshaun Watson didn't have major injuries. Deshaun Watson played full seasons his last three seasons before the suspension. Yep. So Deshaun Watson's in a completely different physical place than Mike Vick was. Mike Vick, you even lift? Mike Vick was never the explosive player in Philly that he was in Atlanta. Yeah. He never was, right? He wasn't in Pittsburgh. He just he wasn't that guy. Deshaun Watson has not lost his athletic ability. Deshaun Watson has not played football in a year in, let's call it, almost two full years. He's ready to go. He stayed in shape. He, he by all accounts, has always been 
a workout fanatic. Yeah. He's been throwing. He's by the way, he's been practicing for the last couple of weeks. Like he's he it, his but learning I mean, he's curve. He's gonna be prepared. This isn't this dude, this is not Oh God, they signed a new quarterback and he's got to learn the system in three days. That's not what this is, man. The guy knows the book, knows the Texans. It's just gonna be getting the rust off. That's it, dude. Yeah. And he's good to go. Yep. Uh Neville ninety three says, Monty, I got a really good question for you and Jake. What team in the NFL is gonna get to the Super Bowl this year? Well, I mean, right now I think the parody in the NFL is incredible. And if you, I mean, it, right now it's it's hard to pick anybody but Kansas City. I mean, the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing, I I am not a believer in Tua as a championship caliber quarterback. Yeah, I think that Tennessee's that team that nobody talks about. I'd be really weary of Tennessee. I mean, I I think there's a, there's what are there? I think Kansas City could do it. I think Buffalo could do it. You have a group of them. As you're I think there's, uh, but there's I, three of them. I think there's three of them. I think it's Kansas City, Buffalo, and Tennessee in the in the A, and in the NFC, I think it's Philly, and I and I don't know who else. I don't like the I, NFC I, nearly I, as much. I, I want to believe in Minnesota, but I I don't think you can. Nine and two, and they're they're, but they're not elite offensively or defensively. That's the thing that worries you about the the Minnesota Vikings. And, I mean, the, the rest of this group, like, is anybody a believer in Jarrah and the Dallas Cowboys? No. I'm not a believer in Philly from a Super Bowl standpoint. I think Philly's got a lot of proving to do. I, I, I think that, yeah, they've had a hell of a regular season here, but... Their but, defense is really good. It is. Their de in the additions, I mean, again, the Linval Josephs, that they, they, you make Fletcher Cox a more valuable player by, by creating matchup problems through acquisitions like a Linval Joseph. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I think that is that is that was a really smart deal, right? So, I mean, I think we saw this week that that Fletcher Cox is a re is still a really good player. Yeah, I just don't know what you do if you're Philly. Do you have enough to sustain your this level of offense? Because their offense has been I need I, I need to see Jalen Hurts in the postseason at the line. 10 seconds on the play clock reading the defense. I want to see that. I want to see what he does. Because when you get to the postseason, you're not getting some of these, not that they've had a cupcake schedule, but you're not getting some of these cupcake no, matchups. That's true. You're, you're but getting the best teams in the league. This Their schedule also is something that worries me a little bit about Philadelphia. There's, I, I just, their wins are the Lions, Viking, Vikings 24-7 is a good win in week two. Yeah, it is. Commanders, Jags, Cardinals, Cowboys, Steelers, Texans, Commanders. They lost to the Commanders a second game three weeks ago. Colts and Packers. Those are all really shitty teams. Excuse my French. Those are all not good football teams. Yeah. So now you're coming up against the Titans, the Giants, and I actually think that the New York Giants are better than people give just, them credit just for. Just characterize it as, hey, these are teams that can beat you. The Titans, the Giants. You're you're better than the Bears. You're you're at the Dallas Cowboys. That game's always that game is always trouble, dude. But then the Saints and then the Giants again. The division always is the toughest road to hope. Yeah. And I think when you look at two games against the Giants and a game against the Cowboys and two of those are on the road, I think that's going to be incredibly difficult. So when you ask, like, who's the, who's the Super Bowl contender here or, like, who's going to the Super Bowl, the answer is I don't think any of us really know because when have we seen the NFC in this kind of shape? <laughs> because, again, when I, look at, when I look at the playoff teams right now, Yeah. 
in the NFC. Right now, Philadelphia is 10 and 1. Minnesota's 9 and 2. The San Francisco 49ers are 7 and 4 in the third spot. Yeah. But who believes in the 49ers? Oh, I think they could beat some people they're not supposed to. I think they can. Look at Tampa. Tampa's five and four. But again, or five and six, excuse me. What am me. I going to say about Tampa, dude? You don't want to run into them in a postseason game. You yeah. don't want that. You don't want that. I don't think they're making the playoffs. That's just my opinion. I mean, they have the Saints at the Niners, Bengals at the Cardinals, Panthers at the Falcons. I mean, there's four games in there. Are you beating the Saints at home? You, you should. Yeah, you should beat them. You, you, I mean, but you should. You should. Right? New Orleans yeah. is, is what? Four and eight. New at Orleans the 49ers. Good. At the 49ers. But no, but That's my point is the Bucs have not been good. Their losses are Packers, terrible. The Chiefs, okay. Uh, at the Steelers, terrible. Yeah. At the Panthers, terrible. The Ravens, okay, the Ravens are good. But you can't explain away losing to the Browns. No, you can't. You can't explain those. Like, so should I really believe that Tom Terrific at TB12 <laughs> and company, you know, are are going to get jizzy with it. <laughs> I Okay, the Saints. Okay, let's give them that win. You're not beating the 49ers in San Francisco. No. You're not you're not beating the Bengals. No. Are you can you with all honesty say the Bucs are going to go across the country on Sunday night football and beat the Arizona Cardinals. That's pretty much self-explanatory. No. Are you tell now you should beat the Panthers? And you probably should beat the Falcons. But the Falcons are 5-7 and seven now. Yeah. That, hey, you know what? The only thing I say about the Bucs is all that matters is right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, I agree with you. They've got some bad losses on that schedule. Yeah. At the same time, though, if five weeks from now they were a postseason team, would anyone be surprised? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, let's see. Brothers be our... Okay. Brother. Brother. Uh, we're playing the same thing as giant as a Giants fam. So I don't know how we feel that uh, that we got Daniel Jones. Is it? It is what it is. Oh well, Daniel Jones is not terrible. The problem is, is is he? Okay. But this is the Giants thing again. Like the Giants, yeah. the Giants are the Chicago Bears. Have we? Have any of us ever had a franchise quarterback? Well, okay, you had Phil Sims. Eli was Eli really a, yeah. a great quarterback? Yeah. He was a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he was. Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning. Yeah, that was a franchise-level quarterback relationship. Okay, so you've had two. Yeah, which really isn't saying much. I think Eli Manning was a good, not great quarterback. I think when I look at teams like the Giants, that's another team that I think has suffered through. Like Kerry Collins. Like you're a good, not a great quarterback. But you have Saquon, you you should be better defensively. Yep. And I'm not saying they're terrible, right? Because they're not. But you have a generational talent at running back. Yeah. And the window's closing on that, by the way. You're just, well, because you can't win running the football in the NFL anymore. And and again, I'm not trying to be redundant. I, I, do you, but is you there really anything, believe that? What? That you can't win running the football? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. And when you're the Giants and you've lost three of four to the Cowboys, Lions, and Seahawks, and you're only winning that four-game stretch is the Texans, and that was <laughs> wasn't that a la wasn't that a a final possession win? Uh huh. You don't feel great that you've you got swept by the Cowboys. 
Yeah. You don't feel good about that. Well, I I would take it a step further and say that's completely unacceptable. Like, you don't feel good about that. And I think when you look at Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is, he just has to grow and improve. Mm -hmm. But you feel like they're headed in the right direction, right? You feel like Saquon Barkley is still that guy, thousand yard rusher again, four and a half yards of carry. Okay, you feel good about that. Yeah. But now I look at the wide receiver group and I tell you, you're missing a superstar. Yeah. And that's why everybody's like, oh, well, Dal Beckham Jr., going back to the Giants. You need a superstar on that offense. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And if you're not going to get a superstar, Daniel Jones is a problem. If you're going to get a superstar, he's not that much of a problem. But right? isn't that what you said about Eli Manning? Isn't that what you said about the Kerry Collinses? Like you've never I agree you haven't had the bona fide superstars of quarterback in the organization, but the Giants yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. They're they're not good enough. They're not good enough right now, but they are capable of beating some teams. Like that's just who they are. Yeah, I don't know. I think the NFC East is flipping frustrating. And I think when you look at who the best team in the NFC is, yeah, I don't know either. It's not a good conference right I, I don't now. Know. It's, it, it's not. not. It's a garbage and, conference. And look what's at the bottom. It's the Bears, Rams, Saints, Panthers. Like, because it's garbage. Rams and Saints have been perennial Super Bowl contenders, right? Arizona's been solid. I don't know that I have ever called them a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they are. Yeah. But I look at the Packers as we talk the NFL on the Monty Show presented by the Advocates. Make sure you find them online at theadvocates.com. By the way, just open their Phoenix office. Make sure you check them out if you're in the Valley of the Sun. The Packers are 4-8. and eight. When's the last time the Packers were 4-8? and eight? Irrelevant. The Lions are 4-7. and seven. That's better than they've been. But look at the Falcons, Seahawks, Commanders. Those are all like, are the, are the Washington Commanders a viable Super Bowl football team? Hell no. They're not, because what don't they have? Don't have a franchise quarterback. What do the Eagles have? Why are the Eagles so far and away better? Because they're getting elite quarterback play. Yeah. Not to beat the dead horse into the ground. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Brother says, it's just my fun. I used, uh, uh, using my style, so I have trouble. It's brother BKL Contreras. So don't worry about it, Monty and Jake. Contreras. Contreras. Yeah. Uh, Tom says, San Francisco could win it all. They're a couple of, uh, they are a complete team. I disagree. Well, I, I disagree. mean, they can play with anybody defensively, but I think they need, a, they need, they've all, they vote, they, and I should look up their numbers before I spout off. But I look at the San Francisco 49ers. And what I ask myself is, is, is a guy like a Jeff Wilson <coughs> and Christian McCaffrey good enough? I thought you said Jeff Wilson. Yeah, Jeff, the running back, Jeff Wilson. Right. But the Christian McCaffrey trade made them more dynamic. Yes, it did. How can long? You, can, How long? How long until Buddy's hurt? Can you trust him? And then I look at the other guy that I'm really curious about, speaking of Phoenix. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Can he be a number one receiver on a Super Bowl team? No. Because Debo's not that guy this year. No. Brandon Ayuk is not a number one receiver. Sorry. He's just not. George Kittle? Yes. But he's But is he the same guy? No, probably not. He hasn't been. Probably not. He hasn't been. And this is, again, why I go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a Super Bowl championship caliber quarterback? Yeah, see, that's the tough part. And that's where I think the the, the 49ers are a dynamic conversation because Jimmy mm. G was on the team that went to the Super Bowl, as we were discussing Monday, mm. but they didn't win. 
And winning a Super Bowl is largely on the shoulders of your quarterback. So I don't know either, man. We'll find out. We will find out. All right. Uh, It is 725 on the Monty Show. Let's switch gears. Talk about the college football playoff presented by our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. BBQPitStop.com. The best dudes in the barbecue business. And a lot of people say to me, well, what kind of brisket do they make? No, no. The guys at Barbecue Pit Stop are all about the equipment and the experience. Now, of course, all their stores have meat in them. You can absolutely, you look at the store in Logan, Utah, Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. Logan, Utah has one of the best butcher shops I've been to. I'm for real. They have a full-time butcher on staff in the store. And it doesn't matter if it's Logan, Layton, Murray, Lehigh, St. George. They've all got meat in their shops, right? But you're going to Barbecue Pit Stop for the guys. Yeah. Right? You're going there because those guys have the knowledge that you want. Now, you're going to get the best, you're going to get the best equipment. The Traeger, the Big Green Egg, the Yoder, the Camp Chef. Absolutely, you need you need a smoker, you need pellets, absolutely. You need wood, chips, they've got it. You you want propane because apparently you have some issue with your brain. Okay, cool. I'm going to judge you for that. I'm telling you, get into the pellet smoker game. Because at Barbecue Pit Stop, that's changed my my life. Being a pellet smoker guy now, I'll never go back. Wings, pizza, the Papa Murphy's pizza on the trigger smoker, cash money, brah. Okay, anyway, the point is, so the equipment's the best, right? But their rubs, sauces, seasoning, the wing dust. Just get on their website, bbqpitstop.com. Ask them how to use wing dust. Just say, hey, Monty said you guys sell something called wing dust. Oh, it'll change your life. Yes. By the way, your wife's a vegetarian like my wife's a vegetarian. They also have cauliflower wing dust. So you know how you make those big chunks of cauliflower? They've got wing dust for that. You guys they, ever want to kick it, we'll fluff. I'm telling you, they're the best in the business. It's Christmas time. Get your dad, your son, your mom, your daughter, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, whoever. Get them a Traeger smoker. Don't don't deep fry your turkey, dude. No, come don't on. Don't deep fry that come thing. It's guys, too dangerous. Guys, we're past that. Yeah, now. what are we talking we're about? Past, come on. We're past that now. Yeah. Come we're on. Past, correct. Jaron Eccles, I owe you for that. Um my point was. Yeah. Get to barbecuepitstop.com. BBQpitstop.com. Do it. Uh yes, correct. That um Jeff Wilson is with the Dolphins, but that's why we, they made the trade for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So, uh, correct, Jaron Eccles says, and I should put his comment up there, Jeff Wilson is with the Miami Dolphins now, which is why you ask about Christian McCaffrey. Can you trust Calculated a guy to stay healthy? Risk. Can you? But, but it's a really good question. It's a really good question. Yeah. Because it was a really good trade. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest about it. That was a really good trade. And if you look at, I can't remember the game he threw that touchdown in. But if you look at the, the, the Arizona game, and you ask yourself, because who would you call their number two? Elijah Mitchell, probably, right? Like, is Elijah Mitchell that guy? Well, he would have been that guy, but now he's got a knee injury. Right. So he's not that guy. Christian right. McCaffrey's the guy you got to count on. That's the guy you have to count on. So whether he stays healthy or not is going to determine whether and how far they go. Yeah, There's McCaff- not McCaffrey threw that touchdown against the Colts, I think. Was it in the Colts game? Yeah. Okay, that was such a good play. That, yeah. But that's the game he's capable of now, I think, once or twice a season, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I just don't think they – because that game he had the receiving touchdown, the running touchdown, and the passing touchdown. Yes. Like he makes history. Yeah. He's capable of that once or twice a season. 
which is pretty good, but he's not the same guy that he was. Agreed. He's not the same guy that he was. And when you're, and look at, by the way, don't forget the 49ers schedule is Miami, Tampa, at Seattle, Washington, at the uh, Vegas Raiders, and then home for Arizona. So it's not like they have some walk in the park. Christian McCaffrey's got to stay healthier. That, that, that's the end of them. Yeah. That's all, that's all I would say. Yep. Um, all right. Let's get to a couple more on the 49ers. Jeez, you guys are in on the 49ers. Running the football or receiving is not the problem. It's the QB with San Francisco. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, and McCaffrey can take care of the ball. But can George Kittle stay healthy? Can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? I know we have a problem with Debo and Ayuk. I mean, I, I, I think they're, they're great. It's, the problem is, is you don't have a number one there. And Does it make you feel responsible? I think to your point, it comes down to Jimmy. I would agree with that. Um, and said, but to be fair, Jimmy's INTs are way down this year. Well, he's played economical football. Yeah, that, but that's the problem. Hasn't that always been the issue? He's not dynamic. He's not that guy that's going to throw that, that ball into double coverage when the game's on the line and complete it. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. All right, let's talk uh, the college football playoff. Because this got heated yesterday on the show. Yes. And I don't know why so many people are pissed that USC is fourth. Uh-huh. Make, make the case for me that Ohio State should be four instead of USC. Because I don't see the case for Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that everybody says, oh, C.J. Stroud should win the Heisman and be the number one pick. Yeah. I'm not, C.J. Stroud's not an NFL quarterback right now. He's not. I, don't, I, I think Ohio State is massively overrated. Massively overrated. Why are you upset that USC is in the fourth spot? Because I think they've earned it. Mm -hmm. I think with what Lincoln's done there, I think when you look at their when you look at their schedule and you look at the way that that USC has consistently gotten better week in and week out. Even when they lost to Utah, it was a fantastic game that everybody watched because it's USC. And what did it take for them to lose? That's that to me is what I always ask. Like, hey, did you lose by your mistake or the other team was just better that day? Uh Cam Rising threw for four hundred yards. So you see, Oh, excuse you me, four hundred and fifteen yards. Yeah. Andy ran for sixty. Yeah. They had over five hundred yards of offense. Yeah, dude. And it's not like Caleb Williams was trash. Caleb was three eighty one and five touchdowns. And then he ran for fifty seven yards. But remember they also had Travis Dye, who's out for the year now. Yes. So somebody tell me why USC doesn't deserve to be the fourth team in the country and, and Ohio State does. Because I don't understand this. Well, I, I, it's a schedule. That's what I think that's what people go to. Oh, well, they, they had a soft schedule. Oh, well, they don't. It's the Pac-12. The Pac-12 sucks. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, the Big Ten, uh, there is a huge misconception about the strength of the conference in the Big Ten. Like everyone thinks, oh, well, oh, my God, it's the Big Ten, right? They have all these TV deals. They must be incredible. And it's like, no, dude. Penn State's not good. Purdue's not good, right? Like, you have Ohio State and Michigan, and that's pretty much it. So, to me, I I don't even think it's that much of a conversation, but I think this speaks to how good the Big Ten is at what it does. Everyone thinks the Big Ten is some great conference, and while, yes, they print money, they're not, on the football field, they're not as deep as the Pac-12 is, in my opinion. You're a two-team league in, in, in the Big Ten. In the Pac-12... You know, you can make a case that you've got, okay, SC, Utah, Washington, out of nowhere this year, and Oregon, duck season aside, right? Like, you have yeah. good teams in the Pac-12. So, 
That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think the schedule argument has any water to it because the Pac-12 is better this year. And that's why I say, like, I think teams like Ohio State and Clemson get a free pass card every single year. It's just assumed, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's Dabo. It's Clemson. They're going to be good. No, it's Trevor Lawrence, and they haven't been the same team since. Yeah, like, that's I want to. I want to understand this thing because I I still maintain the Big Ten's not a great conference for football. It's not, and we all have this idea. Well, it's you know they they're making all that money. That doesn't mean you're a good football. Conference. My fucking ass. We're gonna watch Michigan play Purdue for the for the Big Ten championship. <coughs> it will be disastrous if Michigan loses that game for the Big Ten. <coughs> that would just be catastrophic. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Does that automatically mean Ohio State's in? I don't know that it should because I'm going to go as far as to say I think I can make a better case for Alabama than I could for Ohio State being in the college football playoff. 100%. I think, I think, and I don't know that it's that difficult to make that argument. And so the question again becomes, why are we so upset that USC is fourth? I don't get it. And it's only because Ohio State has some kind of mythical spell over the college football world where everybody just assumes that C.J. Stroud is a great quarterback against nobody. His competition has been nobody. No, I guess not. And I look at C.J. Stroud as a guy who, who's a fine thrower of the ball, but stop calling him a two-dimensional quarterback because C.J. Stroud is not a great runner of the football. C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, is fifth or sixth in college football when it comes to the NFL draft. I look at a guy and you're going to tell, oh, you're a homer. I'm not a BYU fan. I would take Jaron Hall over C.J. Stroud. Why? Because I think that Jaron Hall is a more complete player. And when I look at at when I look at C.J. Stroud and I look at where the NFL draft is, I I think that C.J. Stroud has had a cakewalk. And I again, I'll just go back and ask, where's the great Ohio State quarterback of late? Because this has not been going on just this year. This has been going on in the Big Ten for a decade. Yeah. Where Ohio State just gets the checkbox, put them in. And everybody say, oh, Notre Dame always gets a checkbox. Who's getting a free pass to the playoff more than Ohio State? Because it's not Alabama. It's not Alabama. We can sit here and argue about, hey, who's in, who's out? Who? Alabama's earned it. Every single year, Alabama's one of the best teams in the country. And again, when you want to talk about great programs and you want to talk about bad programs. This is Coach Saban. Alabama loses huge games by a point, and all of a sudden we think they're out. Well, I would, I would take a look down the standing because who's number six? Alabama. And I think Alabama belongs in the fifth spot far more than Ohio State does. And if there's a team on the outside looking in that's not justified being on the outside, it's Alabama. It's not Ohio State. Yeah, 100%. And I just, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this this belief that well because you know it's the bucks and it's the horseshoe and well my mom was hot when she was 20 but she's 70 she's not hot anymore yeah you haven't you're not winning yeah and i think alabama gets penalized for being so successful honestly like they they lose you know what two games here or whatever it is now yes they've lost and look at alabama's schedule yeah and and before you get into this i think it's a great point for all those ohio state evangelists right saying oh well the big 10 the big 10 the big 10 schedule 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 you want you want your cake that way. Now it's time to eat it when you look at the SEC schedule. Their best win is a number 13 Penn State team that's not. This drives me crazy. Penn State is six and two. 
They're three and two in conference. <coughs> Who are their wins? Who are their wins? Well, they, they lost to Ohio State and Michigan. You tell me who the great win for Penn State is. At Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, who fired their coach, hired Hugh Freeze. Congratulations, BYU. You got Hugh Freeze a promotion. Central Michigan Northwestern, who, by the way, fired their entire staff essentially yesterday. Minnesota, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State. I would remind you that Michigan State is a 5-7 and seven football team. <laughs> I would remind you that Rutgers is 4-8. and eight. Wait, I thought you said Rutgers. Is 4-8. and eight. Look at Maryland. Maryland 7-5, and five, having a great year. Those are their wins. Help, help, help me. Help me. Help me help you. Okay, Ohio State. Notre Dame. Is, is Notre Dame a good win this year? Yeah. I don't think you can say it is. Why? You think that's a good win? Yeah, that's a good win. It's Notre Dame. It's okay, win. fine. Notre Dame. Arkansas State. Toledo. Wisco. Who, by the way, again, fired their coach midseason and just hired another one. Yeah, that's not a good a win. A really Wisconsin's good win. not a good win. Rutgers. Michigan State. Iowa. Penn State. Northwestern. Indiana, Maryland, and then you got your ass against Michigan. Because the, it's garbage. The only game you had to win was Michigan, and they kicked your ass. And kick a person when he's down. And by the way, oh, C.J. Stroud is, oh, my God. C.J. Stroud, look at that guy. C.J. Stroud against Michigan. 349, two touchdowns, two interceptions. <coughs> and you lost by 22. <coughs> well, it was late in the game that they, it doesn't matter. You lost sorry, by 22. You're offended by that. You lost by 22 to the only team you had to beat. Your biggest game. <laughs> and yet you still get a uh, Pasco collect $200 free pass. It's card. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And by the way, again, I'd remind you that CJ Stroud averages two yards a carry. Oh, he's this great quarterback. That's right, T. Mont, you're selling them short, fat ass. 2.1 yards of carry. Tell me why he belongs in over Alabama. Tell me why Alabama at 10 and 2. Here's the case for Alabama. At 10 and 2, as we talk college football playoff, brought to you by our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. Alabama's losses are Tennessee 52 to 49. And where's Tennessee at right now? They're at number seven. Tennessee. Tennessee. The Volunteers are at seven. Their other losses to LSU 32-31 on a wild two-point conversion. LSU is a three-loss team now. So let me get this right. Let me get this right. Yeah. Your two losses are by three total points. Four total points, excuse me. And you have wins over Ole Miss ranked. You have, you have wins over a number 20 Arkansas team at the time. But do you see what's happening here? Alabama is being penalized heavier for losing by three points than Ohio State is for losing by how much, how, however much they lost because Alabama's been so successful. So when Alabama loses, it feels like the world's ending. That's what I mean when I say they're being penalized for being successful. Look at Bryce Young, who I think is the best quarterback in the country. Yeah. Bryce Young... 3,000-yard passer in a down year mm -hmm. at Alabama offensively. There's no doubt about it. Weaponry, but down year. 3,000 yards passing. He is averaging 4.2 yards a carry. 46 attempts, 195 yards. Four touchdowns. He's the best quarterback in the country. How many yards? 195 yards rushing. 
Wow. 4.2 yards a carry. Yeah. But we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. We want to talk about, oh, C.J. Stroud <coughs> has beaten nobody. Yet, yet, you have a guy in Bryce Young who's gone through the SEC. Yeah. And has led that team incredibly well. And yet, C.J. Stroud is the, the number one ranked quarterback in the NFL draft. And that's why I say I don't know what the, what the committee looks at because you don't have strength of schedule on your side. You lost the only game that matters. Like, there's no, you don't have that. Like, TCU's calling card is that they're undefeated. That's what they're standing on. Hey, we're undefeated. Even though it's the Big 12, and the Big 12's good. No shade on the Big 12. Good conference, you know. But you're not the SEC, right, with all due respect. But their calling card is that they're undefeated. It absolutely drives me crazy. My point is, is that TCU should be there. Michigan, undefeated. You should be there. Georgia, you're the best team in the country. No one disagrees. You should be there. So I don't have an issue with these three teams. Two weeks ago, I had an issue with TCU, right, at 9-0. and Had an issue with that. Now I don't have an issue because you're 12-0. and Now there's no arguing. You're one of the best teams in the country. So when I look at these one and two lost teams, it comes down to not – it comes down to a couple of things. Your schedule, obviously, but within your schedule – who did you lose to, and how did you lose? There's yeah. no way in hell Ohio State should be the fifth team in the country right now with those things considered. Wow, look at that. Teddy Wayman's decided he's got time for us again. Wow, Teddy, you know. Thanks a lot, Teddy. Quit your job already. Yeah. Good to see you, Teddy. Uh, he says, morning, guys. Been a minute. Uh, call me crazy, but I still think Tommy and the Bucks are coming out of the NFC. Yeah, I think you're crazy. <laughs> uh, Caleb Harrison says, go blue. He's a huge Stop. Michigan fan. Stop. Go back, um, to, go back to watching Michigan basketball. The Salty Drunk says the corruption rankings. Seriously. You know. Uh, Caleb says, I was Michigan versus USC in the playoff. Well, hey, man. That's good. You might get that. You might get that. Uh, brother says, I'm so disappointed for LSU, who's been lost against the weakest teams in the SEC, Texas A&M. That's why they have. Well, you know what? That's Brian Kelly for you, though. Yeah, and trust me, there's no a bigger hater of Brian Kelly than me, the Notre Dame fan. That's the game that Brian Kelly loses. He'll beat Alabama on a two point conversion, and but he won't beat Texas A&M. What better fucking execution? And we could be having a conversation about LSU going to the college football playoff, but there's a chance, and I'll say this all week long: there's a chance that the the SEC champion is nowhere near the college football playoff. The Tigers. The go Tigers. How how many how long have we been able to to say that? Never. It's really unfair. Never. That's you've never been able to say that about the SEC. Yeah. USC is in the playoffs with a win over Utah. If they lose to Utah, what bowl do they drop down to? The Las Vegas Bowl, right? Yeah. I think we ought to give away tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl, win or lose. Because I mean, who doesn't yeah. like Vegas? Well, you know. Travis Bird, what's up, Big Daddy Magic? He says, I'll guarantee a University of Utah. When, when I'm going to Vegas to see it personally. Okay. Okay. You're going to Vegas. I doubt that. All right. San Diego State says, OSU equals week schedule. Thank you for participating in the, the 2022 NCAA season. Yeah. The. Yep. Ohio State. All right. We're going to move on here. <laughs> I, and this is the, again, I don't know why it pisses me off so much that CJ Stroud gets the run he gets. Hey, look here, man. Well, you know what it is. He's just run over the cupcakes. Yeah, you know what it is. The college football playoff committee is looking for numbers. They're not doing this by who the best team is. This yeah. is like the boys in Vegas with the Clippers and this the Jets. This is a terrible, this is a terrible 
system to put guys into the playoff. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's terrible. You're saying Jimmy, Bob, Steve, and Nancy are all going to sit around a table and just decide what the best matchups are. And do not try to sit here and make an argument that they're just looking at they're looking at papers and schedules and wins and quality losses and who's this and who's that. No, but what it, they're it, looking at is money, dude. TV matchups, numbers. Yeah. That's what they're looking at. How is Penn State eighth? That's my point. How is Penn State eighth? Ohio State is the best example of it every single year. But Penn State, Penn State being ranked eighth, it, you really think that Penn State is the eighth? You, it, let me ask you this. Do you really think Georgia's the number one team in the country? Yes. 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 No Do you really think it. that Michigan's the second best team in the country? Hell no. Do we Hell really no. think that TCU is the third best team in the country? Nope. Do we really think that USC is the fourth best team in the country? I could make an argument that they're one of the four best teams in the country. If you're asking me the best teams, if we don't care about TV, the best team is, teams are Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and I do think SC is fourth. I do. I think Georgia, Bama. You got to put Lincoln Riley in there, dude. You have to. I think Georgia and Alabama are the two best teams in the country. Yeah. I think Georgia is spectacular. Yeah. I'd be shocked if they don't run. Good old Kirby. I'd be shocked if they don't run. They're not losing to LSU. Uh, I would say Georgia, Bama, SC, and Notre Dame. No, I'm kidding. I was <laughs> Georgia, Bama, USC, and then somebody else. Is I don't know what you're talking about. I... I the, the Tennessee thing... I mean, you, you, you lost, lost your quarterback, you, you almost, but Yeah, but you almost beat Georgia, dude. Yeah, but almost doesn't – and almost would count if your quarterback wasn't out for the year. Yeah, and how do you lose to South Carolina? South Carolina. I mean – South Carolina. Yeah, I, I don't – you know, when you lose you lose Hooker, and that's that's where your season ended. And yeah. that's why I can't – that's why I say, like, I can't put Tennessee as the fourth-best team because you don't have Hooker. If you did, we could be having that conversation. But that's like, an issue. Michigan or Ohio State is probably that fourth team. And it's got to be Michigan because I think Michigan's better. I think Michigan is far better. Now, obviously, the problem for Michigan. Yeah, you know what it is. Well, I think the problem for Michigan is, is that you're missing your, your best running back. That's, that's going to be the problem um, because I don't know if Blake Corum is going to be able to beat Blake Corum again this year. I mean, that knee brace was massive. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. You know, I mean, but I mean, Donovan Edwards didn't Donovan Edwards didn't disappoint. I mean, right. If we're, if we're being honest and this is the thing that they gives, lost by 22 points, bro, or 23 I, points, whatever that Donovan, is, dude. And, and Donovan Edwards played a huge part in that. But but all of that to say, you have to give Jim Harbaugh credit. You lose quorum and then you get a 200. What was it? 216 yard performance. So I think you have to give. Harbaugh some credit for that. Yeah, I guess I'll have to figure something out. But dude, don't talk to me about Ohio State. That's embarrassing, man. Come on. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I I lose I, by 18 points. Yeah. Jesus. Well, and by the way, I also think that Michigan's better defensively than people probably give them credit for. But Penn State, get the get out of here with Penn State. Come on, man. Anyway, let me get some of your comments in here. Caleb says Penn State. Uh, was in the top 10 this season. They're eighth right now, aren't they, in the college football ranking? I believe that is correct. I don't mean to, I don't want to misspeak. Yes, they are eighth They're at 10 eighth. and two. The, Penn State's not the eighth best team in the country. 
Are you serious? Utah is better than Penn State. Utah is better. <laughs> I, I'll go as far as to say LSU is better than Penn State. Are you kidding me right now? Penn State. The, the, the problem is nobody wants to talk about the, the huge moneymaker in the Big Ten is a joke. The Big Ten is one team. One team. How many, how many Penn State or Georgia? I'm taking Georgia. Penn State or Michigan? I'm taking Michigan. Penn State or TCU? TCU, okay. How good is TCU? I don't know how good TCU is. I don't know how good TCU is. Because, again, they've won the games they needed to win. They stomped Oklahoma. They beat Kansas. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat K-State. They beat Texas. And they beat Baylor. That's their resume is probably if we're talking about ranked teams and performances, TCU has probably got the best resume in the college football playoff. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Big 12 is getting better and BYU is going to find out. But as far as this conversation is concerned, I think the Big 12 has an has a big opportunity here with TCU. Obviously, they're a big physical conference. It's just a matter of talent. That's K-State or Penn State. K-State. I think I'd probably take them too. Ruff's official says Penn State was number eight. Are number eight, sir. Excuse me. They are number eight. Um, Ruff's also says you obviously haven't seen Alabama's schedule. Austin P, L.A. Monroe, and Utah State. Guy, everybody has that. The, the big, all the Big Ten what has, a, all the Big on. Ten has is in Louisiana hold Monroe. On. Bro, what else is there to say? It's God, the damn. SEC, dude. Are you kidding me with, with Alabama's schedule? Who cares schedule? about that when you're playing in the SEC? Alabama beat Texas. Good Lord. You, you, you conveniently left out between Utah State and UL Monroe. Week two, they go to Texas and find a way to win. Damn. Get out of here. Arkansas. <laughs> like, guy. Ole Miss. All LSU. you have. All you have. On the schedule in the Big Ten is the Louisiana Monroes of the country. That's what you have. You also have football at 50, 10 in the hour, every hour. On the Monty Show, we talk nothing but uh, the biggest stories in football. Dude, you guys are gonna make you guys are gonna make me lose my mind. If I have to explain that the Big Ten doesn't have a Georgia, a Florida, they, they are okay. you serious? Can I ask? Can I ask a a a, a fun question? This has been God, serious, bro. When you're talking about the college football playoff, what are reasons to throw hands? What's the most ridiculous thing you can say? When you God. criticize, when you criticize Alabama's schedule, rough. I I don't even rough's official. Who are you even a fan of? Who are you even a fan of? Like, are you serious? Anyway, let's see. Uh, Ryan Thomas says, best teams are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. The committee has a top four right, but the rest is debatable. It is. And I think TCU is the one that nobody wants to talk about. They better be K-State. They have to, dude. That's a morning game too, isn't it? Isn't it like some stupid early game our time? Uh, Yeah, have a cup of coffee on the sideline, Jimmy. You, Jimmy. Where at TCU, I think that game's a 10 a.m. kickoff. Texas Christian. Yeah, it is. It is. Texas Christian University. God there. bless. But I don't know there if the Mormons ain't Christian, are the Texas Christians Christian? Well, as Duck Season said, they're probably a poverty university, too. We all know that Jesus Christ is a fan of TCU. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Uh, they play 10 a.m. on ABC. 10. 
10 a.m. on ABC, so 11 a.m. in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game. Bro, that's crazy, and that's obviously that's going to be played. So why don't uh, we turn in the smoker on? Um, 4 a.m. That's going to be played Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Jerry World. World. You know. Is TCU legit? I don't eh. know. Uh, by the way, San Diego State Aztec says, Monty, y'all going to make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. All going to make me lose my mind. Rip, my guy. Sad day, dude. Sad, well, day he died was a sad day. Uh, let's see. Sorry for your team, Monty. Speaking of Notre Dame, we're terrible. You know, Tom Basilius says football at 50 next hour. Dude, don't get me. No, don't. Why? 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 Uh, let's see. Ryan says TCU dominated Texas, but Bama struggled against them. Bama is a top 10 team, not a top 14. Could be. You could be. You could be absolutely right. You could be absolutely right. You know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Like, hey, look, I look at TCU and TCU 17-10. Wasn't that game in Austin? Was that at Royal? Royal. Texas Memorial. Yeah, DKR. It was. DKR. Um, I don't know. And, and whatever. Dude, TCU has proven to do. That's their first time in the playoff. Like, just get it. I can't believe. Anyway. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Utah is better than Penn State. Utah is better than Penn State. Penn State is an average football team. They are not a, a, the eighth best team in the country. Yeah. Like, stop smoking meth on your way into the college football playoff selection war room thing. Well, it is space. National Methamphetamine Awareness Day, so, you know. You know. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, guys, 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 guys. How come we aren't talking about Bishop Sycamore in the rankings? They have more TV time than Utah State. Seriously. <laughs> I ain't even playing. Uh, Travis Bird says, uh, University of Notre Dame has not been relevant since the days of disco. Next comment. I'm not doing it. What's up, Greg Hawkins? Good to see you. You know. Uh, Ruffs official says you're right. Alabama beat 5-7 and seven Auburn. Ruffs, you, you prove my point every time you talk. Fat Jesus says, don't sing again. That's not nice. That's not nice. I am a baritone. Anyway, uh, do y'all think USA will survive against Why? the Nether? Why? Because it's football at 50. It's football at 50. Um, let's throw some more gas on the fire. Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate everything about Aaron Rodgers. I hate his family. Well, no, his family hates him. I should get that right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. Listen, we are 8-4, 4-8, 12-0, 0-12. I'd be wanting to suit up this week. Oh, yeah. How come and not I just because it's because that's what you do. You know, when you're when you're a player, you go out there, and if you can play, you play. You don't need some doctor to give you an excuse. Oh, man, I don't know, maybe one more week. You know, not quite 100%. No. If you can go out there and compete and you have competitive greatness in your body, in your heart, in your mind, you go out and play. Listen, I can only say it so many times. Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. The only reason Aaron Rodgers is playing right now is because Utah State alum Jordan Love is playing well. Right. And he actually looks like a serviceable quarterback. That's why Aaron Rodgers is playing. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is saying, hey, I'm out here for the boys. Listen, the boys in the room, they sacrifice, I sacrifice. I couldn't breathe up in these parts, boys. But I was out there playing until I wasn't. 
Wow. All of a sudden, that uh, punctured lung you were worried about is not so concerning because Jordan Love looks like a good quarterback. Yeah. That's what this Somehow is. Somehow you're finding a way. And that is the culture of the NFL. Four and eight, eight and four, I'd be out there. Big tough guy. You wouldn't be out there. And this is, again, why it was so fascinating over the weekend to watch Packer Nation, mm, cheeseheads, to watch the Gouda kids be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is such a warrior. Holy crap. Playing with a broken lung. What a stud. I mean, the thumb's broken. The, the, the relationships are, are broken. All American. Danica dumped his ass, and the actress girl that we don't even know dumped him. His ribs hurt. His dick hurts. Like, he's out. He's a warrior. Hey, did you guys uh, touchdown Jordan Love? Oh, Jordan Love's the greatest thing ever. We can't <laughs> wait to start him. I told you Aaron was done. He's injury prone. He's washed. I love Packer fans went from Aaron's a warrior to Aaron's injury prone. Time to move on. Contract extension was a mistake, right? Uh, all he does is vacation in Hawaii with Pat McAfee. I hate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so and who much. doesn't hate Aaron Rodgers? I do enjoy ripping Aaron Rodgers. As a, like, just as because we can, you know. It is. Uh, Tom says, such a Bears fan take on Aaron. I love it. It's not even that I'm a Bears fan. Take my Bears fandom out of it. Jim McMahon's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Justin was. Fields is a better quarterback than... <clears throat> oh, I, oh, I own you. Shut up. <laughs> That's a Bears fan take. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is a good regular season quarterback who sucks in the playoffs. Yeah. The only funny. reason, the only reason he's out there on the field playing right now, and tell me I'm wrong, and I'm open to the conversation. The only reason that Aaron Rodgers is out there playing right now on on the frozen tundra is so he can afford Papa Murphy's pizza. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the hog heaven pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. Use the promo code Monty25 in the Papa Murphy's app. I do hate Aaron Rodgers, and I don't even hide that. Yeah. Well, who does like Aaron Rodgers? Like, come Tom on. Tom says, I own you. I still own you. Ha! Ha! Suckmyass.com. That's what fucking takes <laughs> does. the fuck off. It totally does, because he does own the Bears. I, I Honestly, I think he has an ownership stake. It is. Yeah. You know, I just, you know. It's fine. Uh, Ruff's official, A.A. Ron had a better game than most quarterbacks on Sunday when he was injured. You guys are just haters. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm absolutely. Yeah, screw yes. Aaron Rodgers. Exactly right. No, you guys just want clicks. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we do. do. We Please do. Click. Uh, you guys just hate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah screw him. He's exactly not a right. winner, and he's never exactly going to be right. Tommy. Sorry to tell you. That's, <laughs> that's, he's never going to be Tommy. He is never, never going to marry Jizzy. Tommy's better. Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Can you measure it? Tell me you're taking Aaron Rodgers, who routinely chokes on it during the playoffs, to Tom Brady, who routinely makes you choke on it. No, but I will with your wife. Tell me I'm wrong. 
Tom Brady actually married a model. Aaron Rodgers broke up with several. <laughs> you tell me. Tom Brady's family loves him. Aaron Rodgers' family hates him. Venom and vitriol. You tell me. You feeling me? Okay, let's move on. Uh, the Monty <laughs> Show. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. The Monty Show is presented by The Advocates. Check them out online, theadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business now have an office open in Phoenix. That's right. All of our Phoenix listeners, we love you guys uh, in Arizona. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Check out The Advocates. If you've been in a wreck, if you've been in you know, a, an accident, if you are somebody that has yourself or a family member fighting for Social Security or disability, theadvocates.com. Absolutely the right place to go. Did somebody hit you in the snow because they were driving recklessly or on their phone or not paying attention or eating? That's not your fault. You deserve to be compensated for that. Your insurance company is not the one who's going to do that. They have lawyers. You should have a lawyer as well. The Advocates. Yes. Get to theadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business are now open in Phoenix, Arizona, theadvocates.com. Make sure you go check them out. Harris Lachance uh, coming up in about 28 minutes. This BYU situation um, obviously is a big one uh, with the coaching changes. We'll ask, absolutely ask Harris Lachance. I mean, he spent his essentially his entire time at BYU with Elisa Tuiaki on staff. We'll ask him about that. And we'll ask him about, you know, the, the, the culture because there's been a lot of questions and a lot of blame has been placed on these changes that are happening in the football program to a lack of accountability. Yeah. Harris Lachance has talked a lot about accountability on this show this season. Is there a lack of accountability from the coaches down to the players? Is there an issue with the strength and conditioning program at BYU? Harris is a guy who we talk about it all the time. Hey, what do you bench? Yeah. Right? Like, is, yes. is the strength and conditioning program putting BYU football players in the best position to succeed? What do you bench? We'll talk to Harris Lachance about that coming up at 8.30. Um, I, I just think it's really interesting, all of the storylines uh, surrounding BYU. And it's because yeah. you didn't win 10 games. You, yeah. you didn't have the success. And Well, not only did you not win 10 games, it was a rough ride, though throughout the season. I mean, there just was so much there. I would agree with that. All right. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming up in about 25 minutes. Harris will join the program. Uh, let's talk Utah Jazz basketball because I think one of the things that is so interesting is the Jazz are struggling. They're losing a lot of games right now. And a lot of fans are back on the, well, tanking for Tommy or whoever. VW, um, same thing. No, Scoot. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers or Scoot Henderson? Uh, the point is, a lot of Jazz fans are back on this, this whole tanking narrative. And again, I will tell you, the Utah Jazz are not tanking. I am telling you that the Jazz are going through that cycle that we've always talked about. Mm -hmm. This is a 30-40 to 40 win team. They're a fringe playing team. That's what they are. They're going to, in my opinion, be 9-10-11-12 the entire season. Because they're going to go through stretches like this. But should this have been unexpected... I guess that's the question I ask. I would tell you, no, this is not unexpected. This is a new group of guys, new uniforms that are, are garbage, although the yellows are the best of the bunch. Agreed. I think there's a new group of guys with a new basketball coach, and they're just trying to figure out who they are. So you had to expect some of the learning curve here. You had to expect that Will Hardy was going to struggle to get Laurie Markinen in a position to succeed on this team. He has done that. 
He has struggled, in my opinion, to properly leverage Lori Markkinen's talent. I think you can absolutely point to that. I think you can see a situation where you've had a lot of guys coming together who've never played together before. Chemistry is not something that you can just flip a switch and have chemistry on a team. Culture in a locker room. I think that really is the issue for this team. So, Jake, are you surprised that this team has lost the way that they have lost? No, I mean, the first thing I would say about it is every team, every team, every year goes through it. You know, the Warriors, you know, get off to this really slow start. The Suns get off to a slow start. Like, many great teams got off to a slow start. But then, you know, they bounce back. And I think that it works the other way as well for the Utah Jazz. You got off to this really hot start, and, and again, the greatness of YouTube is you can go back and listen to my take on that uh, at that time, which was, hey, they're playing good basketball for who they are as a team. But at the same time, an important factor is there's no scouting on them at that time. There was no tape on them. You didn't know how Will Hardy was going to run this offense. You didn't know what kind of guy Laurie Marketing was going to be for the Utah Jazz. So to me, I'm not freaking out about them going through this losing streak. I think it's 10 to 12 now or whatever whatever it is. I'm not I'm not freaking out about it. I don't think they're tanking. I don't think that this is some surprise. I think that this is the league catching up to you. I think that this is the league saying, "Okay, we know who you are now. Will Hardy, what are you going to do about it?" And so, you know, we're at the Bulls game as we've talked about most of the week. You know, we we went to the Bulls game, and there were a few things that stood out to me as to why they're struggling. Number 1, the rotations from Will Hardy need to improve. I, I look at Laurie Markkinen's performance the other night. Really good stuff. You know, has a big game offensively. But the problem was, is it was not balanced. You had a big time first half. A lot of minutes in the first half. Not a lot of minutes in the second half. Not a lot of scoring in the second half. I think you only had eight points in the second half. That's not going to be good enough. Right? You look at some of these other guys. Malik Beasley. I think Will Hardy's still trying to figure out how he wants to use Malik, what what that kind of looks like. Is Malik a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, or do you want Malik to be a guy that's just going to catch a pass in the corner or on the weak side wing on a kickout? Who are you trying to have him be? Because right now, Malik Beasley is a guy that's coming off of screens and taking that walk-in three, if you will, when they don't when they don't step up on him. So to me, I think you're still trying to figure out Malik Beasley. I look at Walker Kessler. This one is a bigger project. I'm just going to say that right now. Walker Kessler is someone who needs to develop a little bit more of an edge, in my opinion. Again, he's a rookie, first year, learning a lot of stuff. But I think he needs to develop a little more of an edge, personality-wise, on the floor. He needs to be a little meaner. Needs to, needs to grow up in that category. The problem is, is he's not able to bang with the bigger bigs in the league. He really struggled with Andre Drummond. He would struggle with, you know, a DeAndre Ayton. Any of those seven-footer kind of guys he's going to struggle with. So that's what I'm saying. Am I surprised that they're losing games? No, I'm not surprised. Do they have things to work on? Absolutely. And that's why I think everyone on the show, whether it was the first hour today or, you know, basically every single day, everyone always wants to ask, well, what moves are they going to make at the deadline? Who are they going to go and get? What's it look like? I don't know who that is yet. I don't know what Danny's strategy is, but I do know that guys like Malik Beasley, Guys like Jordan Clarkson, the the usual names on this team, those guys won't be here. You're going to have to move those guys. So, yeah. no, I'm not surprised they're losing, but at the same time, you can't continue to lose the way you've been losing the last 10 the rest of the season. You're going to have to turn this thing around at some point. And I think systematically speaking, they're in a good place. They have a good system. I just I would not be in such a hurry to make trades. And talking to NBA guys this week around the league, everybody's, you know, everybody kind of chuckles because when's the last time you saw a huge trade in November? 
Like that just generally does not happen. If I am Danny Ainge, I'm being patient here. I am, I am being patient. I am playing the system out. And I think what that means is I think you're going to see a very busy January. And I think I continue to hear and, and I continue to maintain that Malik Beasley is one of the most in-demand players around the league because the guy shoots 40% from three. That's a commodity these days. And I think if you are one of the fringe teams in the NBA, you know, the question I think you have to ask is who's going to blow it up first? Yeah. Because I think the Lakers are a team that if, if you're an NBA fan, I'd be looking at the Lakers. I'd be looking at, you know, teams like, what do you say to a team like Portland? Uh-huh. How good is Portland? Is Portland like a legitimate title contender? No. You're not because you can't trust Dame. And that, it's, that's a huge, huge deal. I mean, Jeremy Grant really has flown under the radar because I think they've been good enough, but they're not like a title contender. When you, when you look at teams like Golden State, Golden State's a team that you're like, okay, they're back to 500. They're playing really good basketball. They probably should have beaten the Dallas Mavericks last night. Shoulda, coulda. Yeah. But they're 11 and 11. And that's a team that I think everybody in their, their grandma knows is a title contender, which is very different than Dallas at 10 and 10. Yeah. Are the Dallas Mavericks an NBA championship caliber team? No. Probably not. So you have to ask yourself, who's going to make a trade first? I think the Lakers are going to trade Anthony Davis. If they can get a worthwhile package, which is really difficult to do with a guy who's often injured and is making a ton of money. But I think the Rudy Gobert trade helped them. I do. I think, like I look at Minnesota. Minnesota, if you look at where Minnesota is, they're in a very precarious situation because they're outside of the top 10. They're 10 and 11. And now Cat is out at least six to eight weeks. <laughs> At least six to eight weeks. We're talking about late January at this point. It's not good. You're out six to eight weeks. What is your value if you are in Minnesota right now? Yeah, well, I think this is going to allow you to find yourself. And I think if you're Carl Anthony Towns, like you're going to have uh, you know, some proving to do when you get back in the sense that this team's going to find its identity while he's hurt because they're not going to have the conundrum of two bigs. Uh, guys like D'Angelo yeah. Russell are going to have a lot more space to operate. And I think that Minnesota is going to realize they made a mistake trading for Rudy Gobert. And I also think, by the way, that everybody here right now should give us a thumbs up. If all 112 of you would give us a thumbs up, that would really help the show. Please do. Um, but I also think that one of the things that I was talking to one of my NBA guys about this morning was the fear of Victor Wambanyama. Because I think it's really interesting how many people just assume He's going to be the guy. And my guess is somebody's going to draft him number one. I think he will go number one. I don't even know that it's a conversation. But there is real fear around the NBA about his upside. And I would be, I would be really cautious with him. He's going to be a guy that is not going to have played against top-tier talent. So you're wondering, okay, how, how much of a physical beating has he taken? Like Scoot Henderson... He's battling some nicks and dings, so he didn't, he didn't travel with the Ignite to Salt Lake City this week. Okay, that's totally great. A guy like Victor Wambanyama doesn't have that luxury because he's playing professional basketball in one of the top leagues in Europe, and it's not a very good league. No, it's soft. So, so how much competition and how much physical competition has he actually played? There's a lot of fear about his risk of injury coming into this league, as there should be. You were reading me like Paulo Bancaro, I think, was talking about Bull Bull. Yeah, Bull. So Paulo Bancaro comes out. Paulo Bancaro of the Magic, you all know him, comes out and says, Hey, did we all forget who Bull Bull is? Did we all forget that Bull Bull is 7 2? 
Bol Bol can shoot it. Bol Bol can rebound. He can run the floor. He can handle. Like, did we forget about this guy? And I think people have. I, I think, think some people dude, have. I think Bol Bol was in Denver and just died on the end of the bench because they never played him. And now he's in Orlando getting minutes, and all of a sudden, he's amazing. He is a hell of an athlete. He is a freak athlete. I'm telling you that Bol Bol is more athletic than VW is right now. Bol Bol's game is NBA ready right now. And that's why I'm saying the VW thing, even for the Jazz, I wouldn't I wouldn't have tanked for VW. I'm telling you, it's not a worthwhile investment. Let's say, just for argument's sake, let's say that VW comes in, throws up 30 a night, 20 boards a night. Does the team he's playing on win a championship if he's doing that? Yeah, I don't. Because isn't that the point? Yeah, I mean, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you can say that. I'm not trying to exaggerate. Isn't the point of drafting Victor Wambanyama? Isn't the point of being excited about him because he could take you to the promised land? Isn't that the essence? Yeah. Why else would you be like, that excited? Right. About him? So but, if he puts up numbers and you don't win a championship, what was the point? But I still go back to Chet. I still, I. This is not a seven footers league. Yeah, Chet's just too strong, uh, scrawny. Like this I is, love Chet. I'm a big Chet fan. Dude needs to lift weights. It's literally that simple. This is not a seven footer league. This is a. I mean, I look at Luka Doncic's performance last night. That's what this league is. Do you even? Lift? You know, I look at Donovan Mitchell. I look at Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. I. I that's what this league is. Who? Who is? Who's the seven footer that dominates? There's one, and it's Joel Embiid. And how is that going for that team? They're not. You know, I mean, that Kawhi Leonard shot in Toronto that hit the rim 26 times and bounced in, right? Like, that was the height of of Joe in Philadelphia. And I don't know that can, – can we really sit here and say we believe the Sixers will compete for the NBA championship this year? No. Because I don't think you can. Not until everybody gets back and they're all World healthy. And, I mean, without, without James, without Tyrese, like, it's a very difficult road to hoe in the East. So, again, I point out, who's the seven-footer that's leading their team to a championship? And they don't exist because that's not what this league is anymore. It's not Shaq and Kobe. And no, Kevin Durant's you know? not a seven-footer. Well, but I, I also think that KD plays a very different style of basketball. But I mean, I, I think he, does. he is. He does. I think Kevin Durant is the best mid-range player in the history of the NBA. I think he is the, uh, obviously, I think he's the best mid-range player today. But he's the outlier. Everyone wants to say, oh, well, well, VW can be what Kevin Durant is. And I'm here to tell you yeah. he can't. He's not the athleticism it takes to do what Kevin Durant does is off the charts. He is someone you need to set aside and say, "Hey, he's a Hall of Famer, generational talent, best there ever is, whatever, whatever you want to say. Just put him on the pedestal over here." VW is a guy that's going to come into this league and get hurt. I'm telling you. And I, and again, I'm I don't doubt the guy's ability. We're not no. having an ability conversation, right? Like we're having a physicality get your ass kicked every single night in the NBA conversation. Because whether people like it or not, on TV, the NBA looks soft to the casual eye. But I'm telling you, it is a physical league, man. You yeah. can get after guys. The Monty Show presented by The Advocates. Make sure you find them online at theadvocates.com. You've been in an accident and now you're injured. Though it wasn't your fault, you now have to deal with getting your car fixed, mounting medical bills, and insurance companies who don't play fair. But don't worry. The experienced team at The Advocates are here to get you the support you need. Yep. Check them out online at theadvocates.com. Don't forget they just opened their office in Phoenix. Uh, so for all our Arizonans watching the show, hook it up at theadvocates.com. Uh, looking at the jazz tonight specifically. 
The Jazz are six and a half point favorites at 225. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, 112.5 points. Yeah. That's a lot of points. No Kawhi, no, no uh, PG tonight. Probably going to get John Wall back. So uh, we shall see. Caleb Harrison says Bull Bull should be a piston right now. He should. Agreed. Exactly right. Whatever happened to Taco Fall? That dude was balling when he got two minutes every 30 games. But again. So, not an athlete. Not, not an, athlete. an athlete. Not an NBA athlete. Uh, let's see. Brandon Price says, good morning, my dudes. Jazz need more size in the paint. The guys that, uh, and the guy, the, and a guy with that killer mentality. Yeah, I think they need a number one. Yeah, I, well, I was saying Walker Kessler doesn't have a killer mentality. He doesn't. I would agree with that. Um, let's see. Brett Robbins says Giannis and Katie. But would how would you describe their games? Because I think the thing that makes Giannis so special, like last night there was all that, you know, that highlight of him dribbling the ball twice and dunking Giannis it. is not a seven-footer. He's 6'11". Going the, the entire length of the floor. Yeah. On two dribbles. Like, he's an athlete. That's a guy that gets to the basket, right? So, and I think Jokic is another one of those outliers. But Jokic doesn't play in the paint generally. Jokic, he's a, his, his highest best use, in my opinion, is playing right at the stripe at the top again, of the key. Setting picks, <laughs> passing the ball, shooting threes. All these guys are 6'11". They're not seven-footers. I'm yeah. telling you. They yeah. are not ultra just out of this world tall guy trying to be an athlete they are athletic within their body uh you know and that allows them to do some things but you can't be you know just you can't be chet like if you're gonna be 611 you damn well better have muscle on that frame and these guys do right if you're gonna be you know vw man you gotta lift some weights i'm not saying you gotta be bulky but you're you gotta have muscle you gotta be able to sustain it and and that's why I just don't think it's unrealistic for people to be concerned about yeah, his no, longevity. And Kevin Durant, by the way, is not a seven-footer. Yeah. he, he uh, Kevin, the, the thing that Kevin Durant just has the longest arms I've ever seen. It's the way his 6'11 frame is distributed. That's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. No. They, by the way, I think Giannis, and I can look at Giannis up. is six foot 11. Yeah. Jokic is six foot 11. KD is six foot 11. They are not seven-footers. Yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah, it's, we'll see. Um, Ruff's official says, I wonder if Beasley still has a stolen gun and drugs in his car. Like, see, that's the, that, why? Ruff's being rough. Next yeah. comment. Uh, Brett Robbins, Scoot is the surefire guy. Victor will be out of the league in a few years with broken legs. Wow, Brett. Jeez. I hope not. Uh, I think Scoot Henderson's the guy. Yeah. I think He's he reliable. is. He is absolutely the guy. Brandon Price says, poor Zingas. What do you think but what Porzingis? has Porzingis been? Porzingis isn't exactly. Well, I mean, he, I think he is a seven footer. Porzingis, Porzingis had the knee injury. Yeah, um, he's seven three. And unfortunately for Chris Stapps, the problem has been that he is not proven to be a number one guy. Yeah, he's not a. He's a third third player on a team. Because that's the thing with VW. If you said to me, "Hey, we're going to draft this kid thirtieth overall," great, no problem. No problem at all. Expectations are way less. Like, yeah. no issue. Number one overall? Yeah, I got a problem. And I think, again, what is Rudy Gobert? Because who did Chris Stapps Porzingis have his best game of the year against? Rudy Gobert. Because Rudy can't guard the perimeter. Yeah. And my, my, my feeling on VW is pretty straightforward. My feeling is, is that VW is going to be probably a 20-point-a-night guy because he can really shoot. But how many games is he going to play? Because he doesn't have an NBA body. 
Can he develop into that? Sure. What is he, 13 years old? I mean, he's, he's a kid. Can he develop into that? Yes, he can. Do guys often develop into that when they come from Europe and hit superstardom? They don't. That there's too many Darko Milicic that give you that exact example. Yeah. And I think guys like Giannis are very unique. Guys like Joel Embiid are very unique. There are very few guys that are imports from, you know, Africa, Europe, that make it wholesale into the NBA. It's very difficult to do. Yeah. It's and when you don't have an NBA body, you know, like yeah. Justin Salas says, fun fact, Giannis and KD are the same size and weight. That and they look completely me. different. That wouldn't surprise right? me. Like, but, but I think it's a great point by Justin. Kevin Durant is a long, lanky basketball player. Giannis is a power guy. Giannis is much more like LeBron style where he just wants to drive on you and bully you. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, that body composition matters, man. Like, it's not like... It just, it just is, it makes a world of difference when you are strong inside your frame versus being I would weak agree with inside that. your frame. I would agree with that. By the way, don't forget Harris Chance coming up in eight minutes. Uh, let's see. I'm, Brett Robin says, I'm actually surprised how Rip Marketing got that dude is jacked and he's seven foot on the Yes. Dot. But what he, are you paying the price to get Victor Wambanyama to be Laurie Marketing? I'd probably want him to be better than because Lauren it's Martin, garbage, right? I mean, it, it is to me anyway. To me anyway, I think Victor Wambanyama has the upside of the greatest player we've ever seen. How many guys actually get there? With all due respect, how many LeBrons are there? How many KDs are there? There's not many. Yeah, there are not many. And that, again, you bring in the size factor. At some point, you the thing that you forget, Carl Anthony Towns, is just because you want to play the four. You got to remember, you got to play the you got to play the defensive end of the four. Okay, well we'll move into three. Okay, well how's he going to guard a guy like Jason Tatum, who's a hell of a lot more physical than Victor <laughs> Wambanyama is? <clears throat> That's always going to be the determining factor. Yeah. Can VW play the paint? No, no, no. That's going to be the contributing the the biggest factor will be can he defend? How many minutes will he play if he cannot defend? Because he's in a position. He's not a two. He's a three four. And can he guard a guy like Bradley Beal? Can he guard a guy like a LeBron James? Can he? Yeah. No, hell no. Can he guard a Jason Tatum, a Devin Booker? No, you're talking about you're talking about the most most lethal scores in the world, with all due respect. Yeah, and but that's the position. That's where the NBA is. That's why the seven foot conversation is so significant. Your skill set decides your your size, right? Like if you can play like Kevin Durant plays, you can play seven footers. He's defended the post. Kevin routinely defends centers because centers are no longer seven foot Shaquille O'Neal guys. Yeah. Right. There is, I'm just telling you, the game has changed. The game is not what it used to be. Kevin Durant can guard Nikola Jokic. Rudy Gobert cannot. That's the the reality of it. Yeah. That's the way the game is being played. Uh, When we talk NBA on the show, you know, it's presented by TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Make sure that, um, as you make your goals for 2023, let's do let's do more than just talking about it. Let's do more than talking about, hey, you know, 2023 is going to be the year that I say I'm going to do something different and then it's just like every other year of my life. Don't do that. If we're going to set goals and we're going to have dreams and aspirations, get into action. 
by going to TridayTrading.com slash Monty and watch a free webinar. That's all you have to do. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Watch the webinar and make a decision because you already know that you have all these dreams, goals, aspirations. How many times have you promised yourself something and then not followed through? And what has that done to your relationship with yourself? Give yourself the gift of doing something about it this year. The best Christmas gift you can give yourself is going to TridayTrading.com slash Monty and watch the free webinar. That is, a, that is a huge step in the right direction. I tell you every single day on this show, the best part about Triday Trading is there's guys making $1,000 today because they went through the Triday Trading program. Are you going to make $1,000 today? Because there are dudes out there from Triday Trading making $1,000. And if you're not, or if you're sitting there calculating how much you're going to make, and well, maybe if I work overtime, stop working overtime. Stop spending more time away from your family. Start spending the holidays with your family every single year by going to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. If you don't take my word for it, how about Alema Harrington? Alema Harrington here. You know, I've been in the broadcast business going on 30 years now. And after that amount of time, you start to be able to pick some winners. I want to share a winner that I'm aware of with you, and that is my guys at Triday Trading. They're going to teach you how to trade, and then they're going to let you trade using their money and then split the profits with you. That's a pretty winning deal. If you want to register for a free webinar, all you have to do is go to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. So for more information, it's TridayTrading.com slash Monty. We'll see you there. There you go. That's our guy, Alema Harrington. He's been through the program. I think if you know Alema at all, that's a man of integrity. That's a good dude. Take his word for it. Take my word for it. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Uh, I see a bunch of you commenting like Esquite says there seems to be quite a difference between 6'11 and 7 foot. It, I don't know how I can explain this. Guys. It has nothing to do with how tall you are. It's all about the game and the skill set. And a guy like Victor Wambanyama that's got those incredibly long legs, that has got a very slight frame, right? And hit, the best comparison I think is to Giannis. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo came in and he weighed 100 pounds with rocks in his pocket. And now the guy has built his body. Okay, great. How many transformation stories are there like that? There just aren't very many. So I look at a guy like Victor Wambanyama, who I think is 7'4", um, or something like that. He's got incredibly long legs. He plays a, a, he is a jump, jump shooter first. He's not a guy that plays on the block. So again, when you're built really long like that, you're not going to be fast. You're not going to have quicks defensively. You're not going to have naturally gifted footwork. Like you are a giraffe. And so it's not that one guy's 6'11 and another guy's 7 foot. The difference is the way you are built. He has got really long legs. He's got a, a gift for shooting a basketball. But that's not what determines superstardom. It's, it's the Jimmer conversation. Nobody shoots the ball better than Jimmer. But the guy is what? He might as well be 5 foot, 58 pounds. Because the guy can't defend at the NBA level. He can shoot at the NBA level. He can't defend at the NBA level. So he's playing three-on-three -three basketball now, right? But I look at somebody like a Kevin Durant. The minute you saw Kevin Durant at Texas, you knew the guy was going to be unbelievable. But that's because he's going up against like talent, physically similar talent, which we've never seen VW do. And again, we can go back to any number of guys that you want to go back to that the Jazz drafted. Dante Exum's probably a great example. Dante Exum never played professional basketball. Didn't play college basketball. Yeah. Went to a prep academy. Wasn't physically ready to play in the NBA when he got here. Injury after injury after injury. 
and he's out of the NBA. That's the biggest concern you have with a guy like a Victor Wambanyama. Yeah, I don't know why it's so... Well, I don't, why is it rocket science to understand the point here between 6'11 and 7 foot and how body composition matters to your game? Like, yeah. I just don't think it's that and, difficult. And I look, I look at other guys like a Shaquille O'Neal. You know, like, and, and I shouldn't speak out of turn. Let me look up Shaq. Um, but having covered Shaquille O'Neal, nobody was beating Shaq physically. Like, because Shaquille O'Neal was 7'1". He was 300 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. The guy was an absolute stud. Victor Wambanyama is 7'4". Seven, 7'4". Four. Seven, four. I look at a guy like a, a Yao Ming. What, 7'5"? Something like that. Always had leg injuries. Like, it doesn't matter how big you are. It's yeah. how you're built. Yeah. It's the, the Giannis-Kevin Durant conversation because those guys are, are same height, same weight, completely different body compositions. Like. Yeah. Victor Wambanyama, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to break a trend. He's gonna have to be something crazy special uh, to be good. All right. Without further ado, uh, let's get Harris Lachance um, into the show. And Harris is boy, Harris, you look like you're chilling in the cut, man. How are things? Exactly, man. I'm chilling, bro. It's it's been good. Yeah, good to see you, man. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about things like. How how now that your your regular season's over? First of all, the experience with with Dixie State, Utah Tech. How was that game for you? How did you feel about that whole thing? Oh man, it was so awesome because, uh, like I talked about last time, saw my brother. Um, we got an awesome picture. Uh, we're gonna have it for uh, generations to come, and we kicked their kicked their uh, their crap around. So I was excited about that too, and. Uh, <laughs> I, bet you bra- I had bragging rights, uh, I mean, at the table, so it was good. And by the way, you, you snatched another soul in that game. I saw you hip-tossing bros left and right. Like, you have quite the highlight tape, you know, now that the regular season's over. Am I allowed? Because I haven't been allowed. You're like, well, we don't take time to look back on things. Okay, well, now the season's over. So can you look back on your highlight tape of soul-snatching action this year? Like, you had you have a pretty good body count at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been fun, man. I uh, we take time to go look back. I mean, yeah, for sure. But you know, you don't when it's week to week with the games. I mean, it's tough because you're like, okay, well, now we gotta focus on the next team. But now you're right. I mean, we don't even know what bowl game we're going to. It's been one heck of a year, man. I've been having fun. Yeah, and you know, one of the the interesting things, obviously, you guys are experiencing some change with Elisa Tuiaki. Um, you know, stepping away from the program, how dangerous are expectations at BYU? Because I think you guys may be a victim of your own success. I think you've, you've had a heck of a run um, under Kalani with 10 win seasons and expectations I think were really high, but how difficult has, has the struggle been this year? And do you guys feel like you handled losing well? Did you guys handle hard well enough this year? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, the expectations are super high, and they should be. The bar is set very high, and uh, we are a victim of our own success, I'd say. Uh, but I think that's good, and I think that's necessary for this program. Um, throughout all the time I've been here, uh, BYU has always strived to be um, that great BYU that um, most people know it as. So um, if we need to make changes, we're going to make changes, and that's that. And uh, – 
I'd like to give, yeah, Coach Suyaki a shout. I'll just say thanks for everything he's done for me. I mean, he was one of the first ones that recruited me. Um, and I, I told him that when, when he left. I was so grateful for him and everything he did. But um, handling the losses this year, I felt like we did our best, man. We, we did our best, and we left it all out there to um, repair the damages and to um, mend our wounds and try and be better and fix why we were losing and things like that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, I mean, I can't speak for everybody because, you know, especially as an offensive lineman, we're in our own world. And so we are constantly trying to do our our, our thing. And other position rooms was a different – I don't know because I wasn't there. Um, but I do know that, like I said in the beginning, that this is BYU and – the bar is very high and that if there's a problem, it's going to be fixed. And if you're the problem, you're going to be fixed. So yeah, things like that. Well, like, and that's, and that's the reality that. of sports. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, the, the, you, you're a professional athlete, you know, yeah. when you, when you look at the way that you guys perform and the way you guys prepare, I mean, it, you, you are judged by wins and losses. You are not, you know, you are not judged. Nobody gets to hear you guys grade yourselves. Nobody gets to see all those weights you lift, but I mean, the reality is it's wins and losses, but I, I also think we're talking about BYU. And this is a really Im- important question in my mind anyway. We talk about love, family, togetherness. You guys are human beings. Elisa Tuiaki and, and any other change that comes to bear on this staff or on this team, you guys are human beings at the end of the day. And I think it's really easy to forget about that, Harris, because nobody saw the first conversation you ever had with Elisa. Nobody saw that recruiting and nobody knew the dream that was playing at BYU, right? Like, is it too easy to forget about the human humanity that goes into performing and winning at a high level? Um, no, I mean, it's, I mean, you have this, if you're in it, you're in it, man. You know what I mean? If, but if you're from the outside looking in, it's a totally different perspective always. Um, but uh, at the same time, you're right. I mean, no matter what, if you have this awesome relationship with some uh, buddy, but they're not performing, I mean, at some point you have to make a business decision, man, because you have to remember, uh, this is football, brother. This is what we're doing. You know what I mean? We got to win, and winning yeah. fixes everything. So, uh, man, isn't that the truth? Priority. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's unfortunate. I mean, it, it is what it is. As we talk to Harris Lachance, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Let's talk about accountability because I, I feel like I've asked you about it every week. One of the things we hear so much about is in, in football accountability and whatnot. Have you guys had enough accountability from the coaching staff to the players this season? Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, everybody has been taking all the blame on themselves. Um, mostly, the, I mean, the coaches, I mean, our our coach, Coach A-Rod, our OC is constantly like that, was on me. And we're like, no, like, we should have just ran it better. You know what I mean? It, we're the players making the plays out there. We need to do that. So we're constantly trying to, honestly, be have an accountability battle almost. And it's like, okay, but let's just fix it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that, it, that's hard when everybody's trying to take blame. I, I, I think, again, fans are fanatics for a reason, right? I mean, but – Fan, everybody wants to point fingers. Pointing fingers doesn't win football games, though, right? And yeah. I, I think one of the things that, that, that we all talk about so much in football is that, yeah, you need that level of accountability, but I, and I'm sure you're going to give me a positive answer on this, but when, when I look at the, the performance 
It's one thing to have accountability, but is there a development that comes out of that accountability in your mind? Uh, yeah, I'd say so for the most part. I think, um, yeah, I'll just say yeah. Yes. Okay, well, that's good. That's a great answer. And yeah. then the other guy I want to ask you about is, is Harvey Unga. This is a guy that obviously has a long you know, time, has played at BYU, is now coaching at BYU. I mean, and we've talked about how important the running game is. Like, what has he been like to be around for you guys? Because obviously, as offensive lineman, I mean, you have to have a good relationship with your, your run game from coaches to players. Like, how has Harvey Unga been to be around? Um, I love Harvey. He's like such an awesome dude, such just a, a humble, um, spiritual giant, you would say, as <laughs> some people say. But uh, he's he's a great coach. He's constantly getting on people's butts to run the right tracks and things like that. And that's a, I mean, we have struggled with that this year. Um, but uh, we he's he's a great guy though, and and uh, yeah. You're a big Harvey Unka fan. That's good. I am um, a huge Harvey Unka fan. So, you know, the other, the other thing that comes to mind now is, as we talk about, like, you know, we don't know where you guys are going bull-wise, but what do you do to stay, to stay focused? What do you guys do right now this time of year where you're not playing football? What do you guys do this time of year to stay focused and, and stay ready? Um, so we had Monday and Tuesday off, and now we uh, go back to practice today. So we're just practicing this the rest of the week. Uh, we don't know what bowl game we're going to. We don't know who we're playing. Um, so it shouldn't be too crazy of a practice. Uh, but we're just staying here, um, staying locked in. Uh, we had like a little players meeting yesterday and kind of talked about um, what are we going to do, boys? We got to finish out strong, play one more game. It's fun. It's good. Do players-only meetings work when you guys – like, I've always wondered about that. And in good yeah. times and in bad times, because I think we all think that players only have players-only meetings when things are bad. Um, you don't. You have them when they're good as well. Like, does that – is there – what does that do for you guys when, when there's no coaches and there's no, you know, authority figure in the room? Like, what does it do for you guys to have those productive conversations? I think it just makes it more real. I mean, we're the, we're the ones that are doing it all, right? So, um you get the coaches out of there, we can be maybe a little bit more honest. I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, some guys can – we just give the time over sometimes. Some guys can just talk and say what's on their mind. Some guys are like saying something completely out of the blue. You're like, what? Whatever. But, <laughs> but other, you know what I mean? But everybody gets their opinion. We all talk about it. We're all like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And I think it, it rallies us all to um, play for each other better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then a couple other things, obviously. So, you know, you you talked a lot about, I remember vividly you talking about Pini Katoa because he was a guy that you have, you know, that you have a good relationship with. When you look back at, at the relationships that you've built, talk about your relationship with him because I think he's he's had an under-the-radar career at BYU. He's a guy that's had to fight for everything that he's had, and I think he's really, this season, I think he's just had some really big moments not only for the team, but for himself. So what does it mean when, when you get, when you battle with that guy week in and week out, what's he been like as a teammate? He's uh, such a great guy too. He's, um, he's such a great teammate and he'll do anything for you, man. He'll give you the shirt off his back and he is such a hard worker. And, uh, you know, he comes to work every day with his lunch pail, as they say. And, um, we just, uh, 
kick ass together and practice. Um, and honestly, you know, Monty, that's what I, I love the most, I think, um, about my career here is uh, I love the games. Don't get me wrong. I love them and everything. But the days uh, where we're practicing hard and we're running a thousand plays or whatever and uh, the sun's starting to go down and we're out there in our own little world, man, and everybody's had school and it's been a long day, but we're out there still practicing. Um, and you're just kind of like tired, but you're having fun. Uh, those are, I think, was what I'll remember the most and just kind of that brotherhood and also that just fun of thing of just playing the game, man, and like just in your own zone. And I'm like, nothing else matters in this moment. We're just like with the boys having fun um running plays that's it's the best feeling ever i actually i love i love the end of practices like that's it's like nothing else man that's where i'd rather be no matter what but isn't it the jokes in the meeting room isn't it the you know the bus rides maybe or the road trips or you know you had an important conversation in the weight room or it's it the game is why you're there but I, I, I'm a big believer in that. I hear that all the time from guys that I talk to that are like, hey, it's not the game moment, but what you're going to miss is you're going to miss those moments when you're looking at a beautiful sunset or when you – I think that's what makes sports so great. The locker room, the bus trip, the, yes. the, the confidential conversations, right? Oh, dude, that's what I'm saying because in practice, I mean, we're all chilling, bro, and we're all like, you know, whatever, like making jokes, like – um, I mean, us as an O-line, we have so many inside jokes. I mean, if somebody were to like have us mic'd up, they'd be like, what the hell are these guys talking about, man? <laughs> like, but it's so freaking funny, bro, and it's just so much fun. Um, yeah. Because you get in that zone of just you're with the boys, and you're right. He's, I mean, after practice, we're all just taking our tape off, just messing around, dude. You got music blasting. You're like, dude, this is literally the best feeling ever, yeah. and uh, – and I'm so lucky to even be here, bro, because it's like um, there's nothing else that can compares to this. Just being with the boys. Yeah. Going. Yeah. Riding the bus, um, eating dinner together after after practice. I mean, um, the list goes on and on. And it's those little things that's yeah. like that's why you do it, man. Nothing else. I mean, I don't like you don't care about all the bull crap. It's just that's why you do it, man, because you love this. You love but this. come on, the, I thought BYU social media is pretty good. So they had you guys coming out to practice asking about whose place you would go to if they were cooking Thanksgiving. And I want to say that Gunther won. I, I want to say that most people <laughs> said Talmadge Gunther is the place they would go. What did you guys wind up doing for Thanksgiving? Like, what was, like, did you have good food? Like, where did you guys end up as a team? Uh, so most guys went home. But- the day before, though, the night before, we had Thanksgiving dinner at the school, um, and we had this big catering company came in, and uh, it was really good food. And so we all ate together there. And that's what I'm saying, man. It was a freaking little Thanksgiving with the boys um, <laughs> in our eating area, and it was like the funnest thing ever. We're all joking around, and then we're like, all right, see you later. Take it easy. And we had practice in the morning that next morning Peace on out. Thanksgiving morning. Um and even that, I was like, this year, I walked. I remember walking out on the field, and I was like, man, like, it's Thanksgiving. I thought, some, most of the time, I'm, like, complaining, like, oh, geez, like, I don't want to be here. I just want to be with my family, really. You know what I mean? But this this year, I was kind of surprised myself. I was like, no, man, like, I don't know. Like, this could be my last go-around. So it's like, 
dude, I'm practicing. I'm literally like in my pads on Thanksgiving. Like everybody wants to do that when they can't do it anymore. And I'm like, and I'm doing it and I love it. And so yeah. that, that gave me a great perspective. But uh, so are you for sure? Okay. So you've told me repeat. I feel like you've said repeatedly, you're not coming back. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so true. you are, or you're not, I'm not coming back. No. Okay. No, great. I'm going, I'm, yeah. I'm, my plan is to go to league. Yeah, I've already, uh, committed to an agent and everything so i'm i'm excited it's wow. a new chapter for me um and so wait you're saying you're kind of a big deal now like you have an agent and you're like you're ready to rock and roll <laughs> i'm not a big deal at all man but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be one day maybe wow that's that's inc- we'll have to talk about that at some point um real quick <laughs> though how's marriage how's like the baby's great i see i follow you guys on social media so I see the little guy running around like how how has the dynamic of football baby impacted your marriage? How is how how many tests do you guys have on a regular basis in your marriage? Oh, yeah, no, it, it is tough. I mean, when I'm not here a lot, um, my wife, she has to take care of the little baby and um, it's a sacrifice for sure. Um, but she's so wonderful and, and does such a wonderful job. It's so supportive of me um, in my dream. And, um, I think it, it really helps too when I'm, when I am slinging dudes around. I mean, that's, that's a big motivation. You know what I mean? This is my family and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to provide for them and to do my best for them, man. So that's what I'm, that's my motivation. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so Mrs. Monty has gotten on me of late because like two weeks ago, like my dog was sick. So she was, she's like, I'm doing the dishes. I'm cleaning up dog vomit. What are you doing? Like, do you, are you the guy that will do the dishes just because you know, okay, the baby's been quiet or maybe the baby's been under the weather. I need to do the dishes here. I need to step in and take the garbage out. Like, are you that guy? Oh, well, dude, everybody's got to be, if you want to be a good husband, you got to be that guy. You know, yep. not all the time. Listen, I mean, and my wife's great too. She recognizes if I'm freaking so tired, you know what I mean? Uh, she cuts me some slack and she's way better than I am, but. I mean, I'll try, I try and be that guy. I see some, you know what I mean? I'll just do it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully she'd say the same. I mean, I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the important thing is you have to try. Trust me, dude. I've been married for 23 years and I still have to, cause it's a choice every day to be in love. Like I think all of us, everybody in a relationship knows that every day, right? You love your life, your wife, but you have to make that choice. And I think it's those little things Take out the trash, do the dishes. Don't have to be asked, man. I'm telling you, those are the the, the keys to uh, happy happy wife, happy life. Is yeah, definitely, and I know you already know that because we've talked about that. But <laughs> anyway, hey, great to see you. I look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully, we'll know your bowl assignment soon. Um, you don't know your bowl assignment, right? There's no news you want to break right now, dude. I wish, I wish I knew. I'm I'm just as curious as everybody else. I've heard a lot. That- December 17th, but just the day they don't know which bull, but I don't even know if that's true. That's just okay. a rumor going around town. So do you want fun and sun? Knows. Do you want a dome? Like, what are you guys hoping for? Are you hoping for Vegas? Like, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, me personally, I think a lot of the boys would agree to, I mean, we've been through a lot of weird bull games. Shreveport was definitely on top of that list. Um, <laughs> right we can talk about that later too I, i'll spill all the beans on that place man uh but uh i'd go yeah i'd go sun fun i mean i heard maybe new mexico that would okay. be kind of cool <laughs> we could go there be warm and then you come back you know right before christmas yeah uh, it's all snowy 
Uh, I mean, that's that's a, that's a good deal, man. You know, go play okay. last football game, Christmas time, but it's sunny. And you come back, and it's all fun, and you still have Christmas together. If you get, like, a bowl game on the 27th, that's – I mean, it's great for everybody else who's just sitting at home, you know, during the yep. Christmas break. Yeah. Uh, except for you because now yeah. you're like <laughs> – yeah, and then Christmas there. isn't Christmas, and yeah. yeah, you have Christmas in the hotel. You practice on Christmas, so that's kind of worst case scenario. I don't know, but I don't want to jinx myself. So everybody forget what I just said. Were so. you at the South Beach Bowl? <laughs> the South Beach Bowl? I wasn't that that one, no. Yeah, that was probably that. that would have probably been on top of your list after that melee, but. Shreveport. Yeah, we'll have to talk about Shreveport at some time. <laughs> Glamorous Shreveport for the BYU bowl game. Yeah. I am not a raw crawfish guy in any way, shape, or form. And we all know that food at the bowl game is really important, right? Oh, dude, they had a freaking roasted alligator, like, <laughs> in the middle of the table. And it was just like, it was cool, but then, like, we ate it, and it was like, oh. No. <laughs> no, but no. See, no. No. I know my limitations. Alligator? No, alligator on the no. I'm good. All right. Alligator with like a turkey, like a little turkey in his mouth. <laughs> We're like, this is wild, man. This is was awesome. it good? Uh, it was okay. It was. It was not very. Good. That's a no. That's a no. Yeah. Is that see? My well, suspicions have been confirmed. Guy here's this interview. I'll feel so bad. Like, oh, sorry, dude. Like the guy. <laughs> That's cooking, amazing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Papa Murphy's pizza is definitely better than, than grilled alligator. I'm going to just, I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> Harris, always good to see you, my guy. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Monty. Appreciate you too. There you go. Harris Lachance right there. Uh, I don't know, man. I, if there's a better. Yeah. Dude, he's going to the draft. Going to the draft. He's, he's signed up with an agent. Let's go. I mean, that's, Let's that's go. pretty amazing. Like it, it's such an amazing time in their lives. Like it is, I mean. Yeah. Can you imagine the pressure of that? Like you, you've played at BYU, you're playing in a bowl game, mm-hmm. and it's like all of a sudden now, like, hey, I, I got to pick an agent, I got to get ready for the draft, like, because what's going to happen is they're going to play in this bowl game, and we'll talk about this next week, I'm sure. They're going to play in this bowl game while he's draft prepping, because mm-hmm. he's going to have to go to the combine. He's, I mean, offensive line is a very difficult position to to get drafted in. Yeah. You're gonna, he's going to have to really work hard to build his body. He's going to have to work hard to build his skill. And he's going to need to show well in their bowl game. It's going to be interesting to see exactly where they, where they end up. You know, it is, it is going to be fun to see how, how that happens. December 17th. New Mexico, though? Like, come on. Come on. That's not exciting. Vegas, know. baby. Come on, Let's Vegas. go. Keaton Critchlow says, uh, Harris to the league. Exactly right. Uh, Ron Nolan says, love to hear that from an athlete. Those end of day, tired, sweaty, stinky sunsets are the best. They are. They absolutely are. Eric C says, can we leave Jesus Christ out of sports? Not all of us believe that. Well, you can. Absolutely. You can. Absolutely. You can. Um, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, that you, I think it's very difficult when you go to BYU or TCU or Notre Dame or. That's why you hear about like this this incident at Stanford. By the way, did anybody see? Stanford mocked BYU at halftime. Let's call it what it was. Mm-hmm. The band and the, the thing. They issued a not apology where they said, oh, we're sorry if thoughts and prayers and feelings and stuff. Sorry, okay. you're offended by that. Okay, we'll see you some other time. 
that was the extent no of their repercussions <laughs> yeah nobody's in trouble or anything but hey thoughts and prayers and maybe st- maybe stanford and oregon you know, can hang out maybe they can have a beer together dude it's so ridiculous it's so ridiculous yeah but yeah. yes eric c i don't i you know what we hear about that all the time like you hear about you know like the the well, no matter what you believe in, if you're Christian, if you're Muslim, if you're an atheist, like, hey, all of your views are welcome on our show. Like, yeah. I, it's all good. Um, yeah. Thing I miss most about college athletics was the intense practices. I, I to this day, miss, miss the guys I played baseball with all those years ago. Yeah. Or Like, you miss that stuff. You absolutely miss that stuff. Uh, Tom says, what's the truth to the rumor that Tavion Thomas got kicked off the Utah team? You know, I, I just don't know that that's something we want to get into. I mean, why are yeah. we trying to wreck a dude? You know, like, it just seems like... I don't know. It's all speculation. I mean, there's just nothing to go on. Like, yep. You know. Ron Nolan says, uh, Gator tastes like a cross between turtle, frog, and squirrel. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I know my limitations, dudes. Yeah, I, stick, I know I'll my limitations. I'll chicken burritos, okay? Uh, Greg Hawkins, good morning to you, sir. He says, Harris seems like a genuinely good dude. He is. He is. I, I, I yeah. really have enjoyed having him on the show every week like and it was and thanks to our friends at Coog Connect um I'm telling you the best NIL collective in the state is is Coog Connect the yeah. mon- uh, all of that money that they raise so much of it goes to the players like they have very little that does not go right back to the players whether it's t-shirts or podcasts or you know whatever it might be like what they're doing with the BYU basketball team coogconnect.com subscribe it's 10 bucks a month I mean, it's absolutely the best NIL collective. Thank them so much. They have done such a good job helping us facilitate Harris LaChance. And it's not been difficult. I'll tell you, I've dealt with a lot of professional athletes on a weekly basis like this. Harris has been a gem. Yeah. He, you can, like we text, we Instagram message, like he's just a good guy. Yeah. And watching him, you know, get further into his marriage and they're raising their son now. And, you know, the Utah Tech story about his family. And he's just a good dude. And he's a BYU thoroughbred. Like, he's a guy who wanted to play there. Like, I yeah. just, you, if you're not happy for Harris Lachance and the career he's had at BYU, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There is absolutely something wrong with you. I mean, that would like be taking a Big Mac over a Whopper. Like, you, we all know that's not happening. Thanks. Jake? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Let's talk about big, big, big Macs, Macs and, and Whoppers and the Bacon Eaters and burgers. So you know that we, we talk about food on this show all the time. Yeah. You know that our jam usually is, you know, some kind of burger something. Although Super Chicks dominates my pocketbook right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, we have, we have Super Chicks money to spend. Mm-hmm. So we got to go back to Super Chicks this week. But if we're talking fast food, because places like Five Guys and Super Chicks are not fast food. Yeah. If we're talking Burger King versus McDonald's, first of all, when's the last time you had a Big Mac? Couldn't remember. Couldn't tell you. I don't recall, and I could be wrong. I think it's been over 10 years since I had a Big Mac. Right. Pretty sure. But I was prepping for the show as I am wanting to do. Right. And I read a story about how Burger King is putting horseradish on their Whoppers now. Because it's garbage. And I, ju- I have to know why. I, I, I have, listen. Because it's garbage. Work with me here, BK. Come on, Big King. Work with me, guy. That's not what we're about. I am not a gen, in general, I'm not a fast food guy. Right. I will do Chipotle 
but I'm usually like a little, a step above that. Mrs. Monty is a, a fantastic chef, a cook. Like she makes me great food. But I really like the Burger King double cheeseburger. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I had a Whopper that wasn't an Impossible Whopper because I actually really like the Impossible Whopper. It's not better for you. Let's be honest about it. But I haven't had a Whopper or a Big Mac in 10 years. Right. But if I'm going to McDonald's or Burger King, I think it depends on the time of day. Uh I think Burger King breakfast is trash. I don't like it at all. McDonald's breakfast is really good. I think McDonald's general food in general is pretty much trash. Yeah. Burger King's food in general is pretty much trash. (laughs) But I like the double cheeseburger at both places. But I'm never going to subscribe to horseradish on anything. Yeah. It's terrible. The thing with the double cheeseburger at Burger King is it's just reliable. It's very easy. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And it tastes good. Like... It's not this huge burger. Like, you can really handle it, which I appreciate. Um, I think that the, the especially, there are some Burger Kings you go to where they just put the cheese on the burger and that's it. Other Burger Kings you go to, they will allow the cheese to melt, which is huge. When the cheese is melted, that burger is bomb.com all day long, right? See, and, like, sometimes, I, you're in general, you're not a real intelligent guy. Right. Like, I mean, we I mean can, yeah, you're not you know, good looking. Yeah. You're not intelligent. Oh, Amber, the other day, one of our favorite listeners, Amber, was like, you know, you tell Jake he's unattractive regularly. I do. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look at that doughboy. Are you serious? Anyway, the point is. Fat. You're a pretty smart guy. Right. But then you say stuff like some restaurants melt the cheese. Others do not. It's true. And it's like, that's how I know I don't need a DNA test because that kind of brilliance. Yeah. Only I come up with stuff like that. A word. That's exactly right. Yeah. Why do Burger Kings or McDonald's or any crappy fast food place Taco Bell? Why have I not gone back to Taco Bell recently? Because the last burrito I had at Taco Bell was cold. Butthole. Your own. (laughs) Well. Your only job is to make me a warm burrito. And <coughs> you made me a cold burrito. I'm not coming back. Yeah. But we the la- I Dude. had a Burger King double cheeseburger the other day. Creme de la creme, yo. So good. Perfect. Melted cheese. It was warm. I They put extra pickles on it without me asking. My God. Yes. We have a Burger King double cheeseburger yesterday. Ice cold and the cheese was not melted. And it's just like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Be better. Be better. Be Be better. You have to be better. You have to. Yeah. And all I will say is, if I've got to only choose one, I'm probably going to McDonald's over Burger King. Probably. Probably. I don't eat on the regular McDonald's or Burger King. And I'm just not enjoying Wendy's as much as I used to. Just straight up. I'm just not. Like... Uh Okay, let's talk about, before we get into Wendy's, let's talk about horseradish. Yeah. So I don't understand horseradish. Why would you do that? This is blue cheese, but worse. That's pretty much self-explanatory. And, you know, when you play drops that say butthole, I think of blue cheese, but worse, which is, by default, horseradish. It is. Somebody explain to me who's the a-hole that came up with horseradish. Because, well, I'm just saying... And somebody sent us a picture a couple of weeks ago um, on their Traeger smoker. It was a couple of months ago now, I think, actually. 
You know they went to barbecue pit stop. They get to Traeger pellet smoker. Right. It's when we first started talking about asado seasoning. They had the asado seasoning on the T-bone steak on the Traeger smoker. Right. But what did they have sitting on the side there? Butthole. Horse, a, a bottle of horseradish. And I'm just like, I don't understand this. Meth, cocaine, horseradish. But horseradish hey. is by far the worst one. Clearly. Right? Why are you doing this to yourself? It tastes terrible. It ruins a steak. It ruins <coughs> a Whopper. Burger King, and the reason we're talking about this is Burger King is putting horseradish on Whoppers now. Too bad. Too I'm, fucking bad, man. Yeah, well, no, but no, it's, it's not true. too bad. It's, you can't, you're ruining a burger. You can't do it. You're literally ruining a burger. You cannot do it. I just, I don't know how and, you... And, and the, by the way, why why horseradish? Why, why, why do you have to go that route? You couldn't have put ranch on the burger? Like, you had to go horseradish. What are you doing? Oh, yes. Jeremy Bolton says, remember when McDonald's came out with the Land Sea Air Burger? It was a Big Mac with a filet of fish burger patty and the chicken breast? Mm. Bro, no. No, dude. Do you guys remember the McDouble? Or what was it? Where, I, where it came, like... The, bat, the bun in a patty on one side and then like all the vegetables in the other bun on the other side. I used to love that. McDLT. Used to love the McDLT. <laughs> love that. Filet of fish? Yes. How about that? Yes. Apple pie? Yes. Although it'll burn the inside of your mouth. Yes. <laughs> Fat, diabetic, and cardiac problems? Yes. But I love me a filet of fish. You put a filet of fish in front of me, it's good. Now, having said that, I went to Culver's the other day. Nah, I'm good. Like the other month. When was that we went to Culver's? Yeah, it was a couple months, two months ago. Terrible fish sandwich. Yeah, brutal. But I will tell you, yeah, B next question. BK fish sandwich, not bad. But I'll never go to Burger King if you're going to put horseradish on, on Whoppers. There's only one thing I'm getting It's uncalled King. for. There's only one thing. Okay, what's your Burger King order? Double cheeseburger. Two of them with a large fry. That's it. Oh, no. And Morris says Wendy's has gone downhill. Yes, it has. Okay, so I'm a Dave's Double guy at yeah. Wendy's. Yeah. It's, I'm, it's sad I know my fast food orders. Okay, at Burger King, <laughs> at Burger King it's two double cheeseburgers. I'm, I'm not a French fry guy fast food-wise. If I'm getting French fries, it's from Warren's. Mm -hmm. Although Warren's screwed up the other day. We went, to, we went to Warren's. My wife is a chicken strip fan. Right. She gets chicken strips, and we get two French fries. They dumped all of that into a bag and they put the chicken strips on the bottom of the French fries. Of course they did. And it's like, no, dude. So I can't go to Warren's anymore. Obviously but not. Generally, I try not to eat fast food French fries because they're just terrible for you. Yeah. But so at Burger King, it's two double cheeseburgers. At McDonald's, it is a sausage McMuffin with egg. Uh -huh. At Wendy's, it's a Dave's Double. And at Taco Bell, at Taco it's a Mexican Bell, pizza. It's a, a, a chalupa, a, a quesadilla, and some nachos. Yeah. Uh, Ron Nolan says all the fasties are trash now. Wendy's used to rock. The double cheeseburgers are okay. Now Arby's have the meat. We've got the meat. Um, have you tried the Wagyu burger? I've not. No, I have not. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Who, where'd it go? Somebody said crown burger. Crown burger's amazing. Amazing. There it is right there. Ron Nolan says, love, love, love a crown burger. Yeah, or a crown and burger, I guess that is. Uh, Carl's Jr. guacamole burger. They closed the Carl's. I never ate at it. Yeah. Never ate That's at it. That's probably why they closed. You know. Uh, Brandon Price says, Warren's pastrami melt and Popeye's chicken sandwich is where I'm at on fast food. Dude, I'm not a Popeye's guy. Warren's has a pastrami sandwich? 
I didn't know that. That I know Warren's for French fries and milkshakes. Mm, That's their it. milkshakes are good. That's what I know. Um, you know, I, I listen. I think yes, Jeremy Bolton. Crown Burger is by far the best. So freaking good. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a Crown Burger is. It's the creme de la creme of death. I mean, it is really, really... And they're French fries. Yeah. But again, Beto's has great French fries. They do. Beto's? What did we decide I on think that? we decided it was Beto's. Beto's has amazing French fries. Yeah. Amazing. But I only get breakfast burritos there. All I'm saying is I'm not going to freaking Burger King for horseradish. Yeah. Which is where this started. It's totally ridiculous. It's so frustrating. Why do you... why? Why, King? Why do you mess with something? Just, it's a waffle. Okay. It's you're a double Whopper eater. Yeah, dude. I am not. I'm not a Whopper guy. If I'm getting um, a Whopper. I'm getting an Impossible Whopper. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm a double cheeseburger guy. I'm, I, the Whopper is okay. I'm a double cheeseburger. I'm guy. telling you that the Dave's Double is superior to the double cheeseburger at Burger King. The Dave's Double. When, the but problem it's with messy, Wendy's is, dude, it is it's everywhere. It bro. is. I can't. It's frustrating. It is. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Skeet says before I was saved. I, I had the voice of God in my head, but after I got saved, the voice of God is in my heart. Oh. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, if, I, if it came down to admitting that Caruso is a crucial piece of a championship team and someone gave me a free crown burger, I'd do it. It's ridiculous. You're coming around. Uh, Arby's loves, horse, loves horsey sauce. Hate it. Always hated it. Will continue to hate. I don't, well, I don't need there. So, well, I'm it's just really wrong. despicable. I, if you're eating horsey sauce or horseradish, you I mean, lost me at horsey sauce. Some people call it horsey sauce. Yeah. Okay. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. It's awful. It. It just anyway. Yeah. Don't get me started because it. I mean, it's it's really bad. Yeah. It is. It is anyway. What are we gonna eat today? Mrs. Monty ran out of mashed potatoes and pot pie leftovers. She did. Uh, Although I will say. Dude, I did such an old man move last night for dinner. <laughs> so we went to the grocery store after I tripped and almost fell on a shovel that Jake left in my garage <laughs> um, that wound up falling against the Audi. He shovels out my garage that he filled with snow with his, uh, his Subaru. See, I'm the nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I let him park his Subi in the garage instead of on the street, right? <laughs> Come back home. <clears throat> You know, Jamoke over here can't find his key. Yeah, that you put in the cup holder. That's right. I did not. Okay, it's not my key. I didn't put it in the cup holder. Right. I'm okay. a man. I have pockets. Right. Says the guy who will not carry his wallet in his pocket. Won't do okay. it. Right. Anyway, so pull, finds the key, pulls the car out of the garage, and apparently there's snow in the garage. On a day it snowed. Okay. Hey, I really appreciate you making the effort to clear the snow out of the garage. But he took the shovel off the wall and left it leaning on the wall. So, of course, I kicked it and it hit my car. Okay, so what was the alternative? Hang it back on the wall yes. and have it drip all over everything. Exactly. No. Yeah. No. That's what we You know did. why I left it sitting there? Because I knew if I hung it back up on the wall and it dripped all over Mrs. Monty's street bike that's sitting by the tools for whatever reason. Because we're too lazy to hang it. And that dripped all over the bike. I'd hear a month from now, well, who dripped it all over my bike? This is my bike. That's what I would have heard. Well, so now, instead of that, I get this. So whatever. You, you can't win for losing. Whatever. What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you can't win for losing. Whatever, dude. I got distracted. What were we talking about? I don't remember. Anyway, by the way, another HOA complaint before we leave. God. So I pay a million dollars a month. I think it's actually $1 million a month. Pause, bro. Pause. No, I, I can't pause. I'd love to pause my payments. <laughs> yeah, it's on auto pay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
My HOA sucks. They're supposed to plow and shovel our neighborhood. Right. In daybreak. I live in daybreak. Meaning the, the streets and the alleys and, and the sidewalks the where and public the, the plows stoops. don't go. Yeah. They're supposed to, sh- to plow the alleys and salt and shovel our walkways and stoops. We pay for that. Do you think they did that yesterday? <laughs> Can I call and complain? No. They don't even have a voicemail anymore because so many people were calling and complaining. And so I said to my, the last, I actually got involved one time in an HOA meeting. And I said, hey, by the way, just want you guys to know that the landscapers aren't trimming the bushes in front of my house and they actually grew through my screen. And one of the guys was like, well, why don't you trim them yourself? Because I'm paying somebody to trim them. Douche. They're like, well, they only trim them once a year. So wait, I'm paying you nine, I think it's $800 a quarter or something for them to trim my bushes once a year. And the guy's like, yeah, you can do it yourself. Well, what am I paying for? So again, I ask, yeah, I can shovel the snow myself, but what am I paying for? And I have no repercussion. None. You could sue, but who's going through that? Who's going to hire a lawyer and sue? Let's talk about it. I'm a good listener. It's just, it's such a scam. Yeah. HOAs, the daybreak HOA is a joke. Yeah, just just it's consider a it consider it a charitable donation. Yeah, it's a joke because you pay for everything and they literally do nothing. It's it, it's an absolute tragedy. All right, everybody here right now, please give us a thumbs up. Um, we've had a almost two thousand people watch the show. And we have forty seven thumbs up. You're better than that. I mean, again, I understand you have to look at Jake's face, but that was a you're ugly. Don't, don't do what I did, right? Like, don't don't lean the shovel up against the wall and not like the show. Hang but by the, the way, up and like the show. I am proud of you for shaving the neck beard. It's been. Dude, I am very proud shaved. of you for that. I'm proud of you. You're you're missing. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. What's the point of the neck beard? Uh, there hasn't been a neck beard, dude. There haven't been. But I'm proud of you for shaving it. Okay. All right. I said a nice. I'm proud of you. Okay. Sure. Say I love you, Jake. Yeah. You're supposed to say I love you. Yeah, Jake. I love you back. All right. Goodbye.